On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. Listening to Tall Can Audio. I have something to say to you! Here's your host. The issue here, sir, is that everyone fucking hates you. Matt Robinson. Away we go, episode 997 of the Tall Can Audio podcast. As the good woman said, my name is Matt Robinson. Coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. Make sure you follow along on Twitter and Instagram, and you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now. More great stuff coming. We'll get into that uh, in just a little while. It's a short work week. We'll help you uh, get things kicked off here right now alongside today. Steve Bunda, what's happening, man? What up, Matty? Yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's a beautiful day outside. It's it's We're feeling good. Uh, I don't know. We had a big weekend of Riding sports stuff. long weekend. Yeah. 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 yeah, so it's good, man. How you been? I'm doing all right, man. We're, uh, we're rapidly approaching episode 1000 here. We're going to drop that on the good listener on Monday, August 8th. Uh, oh. It's going to be good stuff, so uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, otherwise, man, honestly, for me, Kind of a quiet long weekend. Spent Sunday afternoon at a at a friend's place playing outside with the kids, right? Keeping me young okay. and, uh, and trying a couple things there. We'll we'll get into. What about yourself? What have you been doing for the long weekend? Yeah, I, well, I just uh, I was unfortunately stuck uh, uh, working for the whole weekend mm. basically because I, I was off for about. Uh, 10 days with uh, the COVID. The vid finally yeah. caught you. Yeah. yeah, it took me, I don't know, two and a half years, yeah. but uh, it, uh, <laughs> it put me uh, put me down for a little bit, and then I ended up uh, getting back to work about, uh, I don't know, five, six days ago, so now I'm kind of back out and about and doing things out again. captivity. And I was forced to be, hey, a lot of people covered you while you're off, so ah. time to make up time, and so spent all, all weekend basically inside working. Okay. Well, we're glad you uh, you broke out here and still made some time in another studio uh, to come in and do this. But Always to, for you. At, at least this one, we got a couple things we're going to crack into here. What are you sipping on today, man? Oh, man. So I went into your beautiful fridge and I grabbed a pineapple mango fruit salad pint. Um, I would love to tell you that I hadn't opened it yet, but I already <laughs> got into it. So I'll take my first sip now, though. But All right. Well, he's got at least the discipline, even though it's sitting open in front of him. He could have been sipping away. We have no idea. We, we, not, the good listener would have had no way of knowing. Uh, what did we got there on the first sip of the rather odd uh, pineapple yeah, vegetable salad? Yeah, it's from uh, Wavemaker. Yeah. Uh, blonde ale brewed with pineapple and mango. It's a 4.8 percenter from Cabernet, Ontario. Wavemaker Brewery. Yeah, pretty good. All right. Yeah, yeah. nice. Little, that's a nice afternoon crushable beer. Yeah, we're starting here early on the uh, holiday uh, holiday Monday afternoon, so we've got to ease into things a little bit, right? So. 100%. What do you got going on? So this is uh, apparently from a place you've spent a little time in, uh, up in North Bay, the mm. uh, New Ontario 
Brewery, and uh, this is their Tree Topper Red Ale, about 5.2%. Uh, I don't know, man. The, I think the the art of a good red, of a good amber, is mm. lost on a lot of breweries, so I'm, I'm optimistic here that these guys have nailed it, but not everybody does, right? Sometimes it's... It's just not really enough. It's a little too thin to be a true red, in my opinion. But uh, we'll see what this one's all about. But uh, I guess you uh, you got your your educating done up in North Bay. Yeah, I did a lot of my book learning up in uh, North Bay at Canada College at the radio and broadcasting program up there that uh, actually no longer exists. Oh, shit. And, uh, yeah, Matt Harris, uh, who I was just working with at CFRA for the last couple of uh, weeks, who has now just left. I believe I'm like the only, the, me and another fella that works uh, up in uh, up in the Manitoulin Islands, He, uh, I believe there's not many left of us of the radio broadcast because the, the program is no more up there. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I spent some time. I have a little cousin that lives up there. I spent nice. two years up there, a nice little area, beautiful cottage country, and now I'm back here in Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one, it's not as... Um Probably not quite as thick or as malty as I would normally look for, but it's got a really nice flavor to it, like Mm. very tasty. Maybe that's what you're looking for on a hot kind of midsummer afternoon. So it's pretty nice. And I guess I'm being unfair. Like a red and an amber aren't quite the same thing, right? Maybe an amber is a little thicker, a little more. uh, Yeah, I'm trying to think of the last time I had a good red. Like uh, Rickard's red was, it came out and right, Rickard's had the white and the red. And it kind of started that little trend of the reds, right? The whites. Blondes, I guess, turned into whatever. It wasn't anything special, but I, I've never been a huge fan of it. But the reds are always a nice kind of, I, I like a good glass of a red. Right. But I don't know if I want to have a lot of them. And it's been a while since I've had a good red, but I believe I had a Rickards red a couple, I don't know, a couple of years ago now on a patio. And I just remember thinking like, yeah, you know what? This is a very hidden gem, a Rickards red. I don't mind the Rickards red, but these... I don't know. I need something that's going to clear that bar, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and this one is. I, it's got a nice flavor to it. I, I am pretty happy with it. So, um, North Bay not letting down. You were responsible for uh, helping get us uh, one of our last guests. We had a good week here. If people want to go back and check that out, I highly recommend episode 994. Steve Lloyd was in here, a guy we both know pretty well and who also appreciates a good beer. Oh, Lloydy. And uh, episode 995, though, Patricia Bull was in here, mm. uh, someone you knew pretty well and... Uh, that's someone I'd wanted to have on for a while, and um, you know, I, I'd always been just sort of like, I don't know, is she going to be feeling it with a show like this or whatever? And uh, and you insisted, you stayed on top of it, and said no, you got to reach out. And then you ended up putting in the good word that uh, and and brought it back, told me how to reach her properly, like what the uh, how to break through the uh, the wall. And uh, as soon as you did that, sent her an email, and she got back right away, and, and we got it set up, man. So. That was awesome. Appreciate you uh, you setting that up for us. She was a lot of fun to talk to. Yeah, Trish is awesome. And when uh, I pretty much the way I got a hold of her was I ran to her house and I threw rocks at her window until she answered the door. <laughs> she called the cops on me yes. and had me taken away. And then came into work the next day and was like, "What the hell, Bunda?" Like, and, no, but uh, she's she's uh, she's great. She loves to just have fun, talk sports, and have a couple drinks. So she's absolutely someone that would love to be on the show. You mentioned that you thought she was too high and mighty a couple times, but you were always. I think you brought it up to me whenever Creech was here. I know you brought up Chris Hoffley, our yeah. friend at the Red Blocks. Like you've brought it up a bunch of times, and it's like, dude, Trish, we'll do the show. Yeah, and, and I, just I'm glad you know, you, as a news anchor, is she going to want to come in here and slum it and drink beer and whatever? And you were both like, yeah. She will, hundred <laughs> percent. No, she's uh, she's a beauty. So I'm glad uh, you were able to work something out with her, and uh, that she was able to come in and enjoy it, and I don't know, talk sports, talk life. She's uh, like I said, she's got uh, quite the resume, and she just like I said, she could just sit here and drink with you, or she yeah. could sit here talk sports, life, news, politics, whatever you want. 
It was great. And uh, so that's episode 995. If you want to check that out, it's at talkinaudio.com or wherever you're hearing this right now. Uh, just scroll back a little bit. And uh, episode 996, Dean Brown, the voice of the Suns, was in here as well last week. So we had a busy week on uh, around the TCA studio. This is episode 997. Episode 998 will drop for you on Wednesday afternoon. That's our buddy Andrew Stoughton, who uh, writes for the batflip.ca covering the Blue Jays. That will be the day after the MLB trade deadline. And uh, we're hoping the Jays have made some news. Maybe your Red Sox. Your Red Sox are going to be selling, I think, man. But uh, Stoughton will be here <sighs> on Wednesday for that. Uh, did you enjoy that uh, Jays and Red Sox series last weekend? Did not uh, at all. Matt, uh, I did not at all. I remember because it was a couple days into COVID when I had that. Uh, that was, yeah, I was looking forward. There's uh, when you have COVID, you don't do anything. No. I sat on the couch watching TV. <laughs> I took in show suggestions. I crushed a couple different show series and a couple movies. But um, I remember just like it was the Friday night game. Yeah, and uh, I believe I got a text from you, but uh, it <laughs> didn't start out well. And I, at one point, I think it was like sixteen to one, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, it's the third inning! What the heck is going on here?" Uh, turned it off pretty quickly. I turned on wrestling for a little bit. Had a boy, and, uh, huh? uh, yeah, a little bit of SmackDown. Why not? Just a bug. Uh, my good friend uh, Friggin McGibbon. Uh, he's at the This Is Wrestling podcast on the executive producer uh-huh. for life for with life, that. Man. Uh, so yeah, no, I was, I was messaging him because I was fired up because I think I had you, I had my <laughs> other buddy and another friend texting me about how bad the Red Sox were. And I said, yeah, I know. And I, I wasn't the score like 48 to two. Like, <laughs> Basically it was, yeah, it 28 was, to five final. Y- yeah. I was just, you had turned it off by then. Eh? Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. I was, I was so upset. I was like, all right, well, the one thing I was looking forward to all day was this Red Sox Jays game. So that way I could, you know, chirp some Jays fans and uh, you know, no, I'm pretty sure there's nothing swept. worse. Eh? Like when that's the only thing you got going on that day, or like you said, you're sick. So you're kind of <laughs> stuck at home and you're like looking forward to this one thing. And then it turns out to be just awful. And oh, there's man. nothing else to do with your fucking night other than. You know, like take shit from your buddies, like you said. Um, yeah. I, I that's the way my life goes pretty often. Living here in Ottawa as a Leaf fan, man. Like uh, the number of nights where the Leafs are doing something humiliating, and my phone starts to just light up with people who want to. <laughs> hey, you watching? I'm like, yes, I'm watching. It's, Obviously, I'm watching. But uh, <laughs> thanks for letting me know that I wasn't watching. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, for the Leafs, that's a it's an interesting spot. I grew up a huge Leaf fan as well, and to see their off season right now compared to the Ottawa Senators, it's like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> We can't nice. be falling behind the fucking sense. Yeah, uh, the sense are on a, just like an absolute, you know. They're just, having a hell of a summer. Yeah, just having the summer of their life. A hot boy summer for Pierre Dorian <laughs> and the Ottawa Senators with trades, free agent signings, uh, you know, even their draft picks. It's just been, it's been great for them. And, uh, you know, it's much as I, I like, I, I don't really cheer for a lot of teams right now. Growing up a huge league fan, I, you know, I always want to see them do good. Covering the Ottawa Senators for about the last 11 years, it's kind of a, yeah, I want to see them do good. It's it's fun to get some excitement around sure. the team right now, for sure. So it's like that. But when it comes to the Jays and Red Sox, like the Red Sox are more of a, my, you know, my, my baseball team, but my baseball starting, like my baseball watching really starts right around now. Like this is my, right. like I, I'll, I'll tune into the odd game here and there, but I'll watch kind of a lot more often. Like right now we got NFL training camps kicking mm-hmm. off. So I'm, I'm a hundred percent focused on braiding the boys, getting uh, the bucks <laughs> back to another Super Bowl and uh, bringing in Julio Jones and all that. But, uh, you know, baseball, I find it hard to get into in April and May and June because you got hockey playoffs, basketball playoffs going on. Like there's CFL's kicking off. Yeah, like CFL's this. kicking off. Yeah. Like there's just a lot going on. You're just kind of feeling the good weather vibe. So everyone wants to get out and, you know, enjoy some stuff outside. So uh, as much as I love a little bit of uh, April and May, 
May and June ball. Yeah. It's like, you know, the July and August and September ball is like my favorite because that's, you get the trade deadline coming up. Like you said, the Jays, you know, they, they, uh, I don't know what they're going to do if they're going to grab a reliever or not, but they're better. Yeah. The <laughs> starter out of uh, Oakland that they're kicking tires on. Yeah. Montas, yeah. yeah which, uh, you know, would be great for them, especially a guy that you could bring into a rotation. Yep. You know, hey, guess what? Barrios had a good start, and he's finally under five ERA. So that's uh, for a big weekend for the Jays, and and like you said, you bring up the Red Sox. Yeah, they're uh, they're a team that I thought like a week ago was going to fire sale pretty much everybody everybody except for uh, Devers and Bogarts. But then apparently they're not because they're only three and a half games out after a good series against the Twins. And mm-hmm. it's like, can you just make up your damn mind and just either sell or? Just get it together, but they're three and a half out of the the wild card spot, so they're kind of in a tough spot heading into the trade deadline. And, and JD it's thick, Ma- eh? Like Cleveland's oh, worked back into it. Seattle looks yeah. really good. Like it, obviously Tampa is always in the mix. Toronto's sitting there too. Like yeah. it's going to be a hard race for them. And they're an interesting team, the Red Sox, because they like their GM comes from that Tampa Bay system, and Tampa yeah. Bay would absolutely take a look at this and go, nope, it's not our year. And sell because they're all about assets. They're all about maximizing opportunity on a low budget. You don't get to do that in Boston. Like the Red Sox fans do not tolerate that stuff. If you're in the mix, you better be going for it. And so intellectually, I think their management group would probably look at this and go, I don't know if this is the year we should be trying to buy. Maybe you don't sell everything off. But at the same time, when you are in Boston, it's no, you're going for it. Right. You, you, I don't think they could get away with selling in Boston right now. No, it's tough, especially when the names are Nate Voldy, right? Mm-hmm. Who's uh, was a part of the he's World Series squad, right <laughs> yeah. But uh, he'd be a great guy. That throws hundred, right? Yep. Like he's yep. he's uh, easy to like. JD Martinez, who's uh, been a great free agent pickup for them, also part of the World Series. Like just a guy that's uh, you know he slugs like he's yeah. just like, he's got a big bat. Um, so he's another one that they're bringing up. Uh, you know, their their catcher. I can't remember his name right now, but they're they're looking to sell some of the big pieces. And you know, I wouldn't hate it if they. they they just, you know, sign Dever, sign Bogarts, get them their long-term contracts, mm-hmm. sell off some, get in some big prospects. I know they're asking a lot for guys like those, uh, like J.D. Martinez and yeah. Nate Ovaldi, but like at the same time, it's like, I don't know, three and a half games back in a tight race. You know, the Jays are sitting pretty atop the wild card right now. I think they have a, about a two and a half, yeah. um, a two and a half game lead on the second wild card spot. So yep. they're sitting nice. They're sitting pretty. Uh, I, I think that they're in a good spot. You know, I, I believe that they should add a lefty bat. I've heard their name is uh, Ian Happ is one that they're yeah, kicking tires be, on. Yep. So if that happens, that's that's big. But, you know, I, I feel like if they can add some relievers, right, the pitching, I'm all about starting pitching. Even relievers are good. But if you can have some starting pitching. so like well, especially, right, the Jays, we just saw Manoa take a line mm. drive off the elbow. That luck, It's not like an elbow tear or whatever. It's, it's a contusion. It's a bruise. But that would freak me out a little, especially when Barrios has had kind of an up-and-down season. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you say Kikuchi is going to give you <laughs> from start to start. Um, I think you need to be looking at a, you know, kind of low back end of the rotation kind of guy. Uh, certainly, you need some swing and miss in the bullpen. Because right mm-hmm. now, they have a lot of guys who pitch to contact. And they've actually been, for the most part, fine. Like, Simber's been fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tim Mazas, Like, all of this stuff, it's okay, but like... In a playoff game, when you got men on and you have to make a mid-inning adjustment, you don't want to pitch to contact with men on base. Like mm-hmm. you, those are those guys are fine to start an inning. You need somebody who can come in and just strike somebody out. And I thought Daniel Bard would have been a great addition, but he just resigned in Colorado, which was 
weird. Uh, they gave him a two-year extension when everyone assumed he would be one of the big names on the trading block, but the Rockies are going nowhere, so I don't understand that move at all. Dave Robertson's still out there. Like, that would have been an interesting, or that's a name that I think the Jays will be in on. Um, and then, yeah, like a, an Ian Happ or, or somebody like that. Um, Juan Soto. Oh. Yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. Uh, Josh Bell, right? That's another name, like a kind of a slugging left-handed first base DH type, and we yeah. already have kind of a first base DH type, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. To me, the the left-handed bat isn't as big as it looked a couple weeks ago. Like the Jays are one of the top teams against right-handed uh, pitching, despite being so predominantly uh, right-handed heavy in their lineup. But Biggio's played better recently than anyone expected. Toppy has played better than anyone expected. So I, I'd like to do it, but when you only have so many resources to deal, it to me it falls behind the pitching, which which they badly need to upgrade. I think hundred percent. No, I, and. and the only uh, the only issue with uh, the Oakland pitcher Montage, I believe, is that he had some shoulder inflammation. Yes. So there is a bit of a risk Freaks there. Out a little, yeah. yeah, which you know, pitchers need their shoulders. That's uh, true. News it's pretty flash. important. <laughs> um, so it is tough, but like the guy's got some serious meat, and he's got some like some nasty stuff. He's got a good couple fastballs. You know, you see what Luis Castillo just got traded know, for, and yeah. it's some of the it's top prospects. And it's expensive, but I also believe like this is the year too for the Jays where. I feel like they're in a good spot because if you could look at, like, look where the Red Sox are at, and they're kind of in middle of hmm and then hawing, and I feel like, you know, the Yankees are way up there, and you want, eventually, not catching the Yankees. yeah, you're not catching the Yankees, but you're going to have to play the Yankees yep. in the playoffs. Yep. So unless something crazy happens and they, they lose in the first round or a wild card, I don't know what happens, but the Jays have a, a team right now that I think can compete with them. And I, I feel like if you're going to go out there, go all in. Go grab your left batter. Go grab a pitcher. This and go is the grab, time. Yeah, you've sell. been bringing in these pieces, right? You brought in yeah. Gossman, right? You brought in Barrios. You've brought in Springer. Like, this is a go-for-it window. So Absolutely. go for it. And yeah. I think that first wild card spot is important because that's a home series. And let's say you end up playing Seattle and Robbie Ray can't come north of the border. <laughs> like, this is going to become a story again as we come down the uh, – you know, if they're two, three weeks away from the end of the season and it looks like Seattle may have a playoff series in Toronto, do those guys suddenly go, yeah, okay, I better get, the, I better go get the job. <laughs> like, Seriously. are you going to miss an entire wildcard series in Toronto because you didn't do it and you're their ace? I, it's going to be a bad look, man. Um, for sure. For sure. I don't well, know. I, I'm in a spot too where you look back at that 20, it was a 2015. Yeah. When the Jays went, they got David, David Price. Price. They, they traded away Daniel with Daniel Norris. Yep. The guy lived in his van that everyone <laughs> loved. That really never did much in Detroit, anyways. No. But they went out and they bought some guys. And Tulo yeah. was brought in at the same deadline. That was a huge couple of days. But like, how jacked up was Jays Nation? Oh my like, god, they were everywhere. Everyone loved it. It was yes. exciting watching the the series against the Rangers and the you know the bat flip with Batista. But just seeing incredible. that run, like that was like it got all these Jays fans jacked up. And it's like right now they got a young exciting team and you know you got a good sprinkle of veterans in there that I believe are sick and yeah. you know you can if you can add like a, like I said if you can add a guy to the rotation you can add a guy to the bullpen the lefty bat I believe you in this is like I, I don't think it's a necessity but if you can add one sure sure like but like why not go out there like I know it's going to cost a lot but like this is your young squad in their prime yeah like it's like this is the like Springer love them but like the guy's 
you know, he's he's a Band-Aid half the time. And yep. he's, you know, barely in the lineup. And he's a guy that how many more consistent years are you right. going to really get out of him? take advantage of it now. Exactly. And he's a guy that had a, you know, uh, was it, how long ago was he at his Grand Slam? Like, the guy is, you know, living up to hype in Jays Nation right now. So, like, this is a time where, like, I look at it and they're in a great spot. They're sitting pretty. You know, they're behind the Yankees, but whatever. Like, who cares about the Yankees? Yeah, that's gone. Get over it yeah. and, and Sit, focus on what you got here. Go out there and buy. Like, go buy some pitching help. And you help. would make your money back. I can tell you referenced 100%. 2015. I was down there maybe the third week of April at the Dome, and I I can't remember for sure. It might have been the Rays that they were playing. And there's like 12,000 people in the stadium, and they're just kind of chugging along, and no one mm-hmm. really cares. And then at the end of July, they go out and they get David Price. They go out and get Tulowitzki. And all of a sudden, you know, this kind of 52 and 50 team, 51 and 51, whatever they were, lights on fire mm-hmm. and I'm there again in the middle of August and I believe they're playing the twins and they swept the twins in a four game series and the house is full mm-hmm. right and the TV ratings are off the charts and the hats are everywhere the entire rest of the way it's 40,000 a night down at the dome you have a license to print money when yep. the Jays are hot um, just on TV revenues alone and stuff like that but even just being down there at the dome it's it just totally different vibe and so they're, they've had good crowds so far this year because everybody knows um, that it is kind of a young core and everybody's going for it, or they should be in it. But, you know, you can pretty much, with a big trade deadline, guarantee a sold-out Skydome the entire rest of the season if if you kind of lock into this and get the, the, the fans excited again. And you will make your money back, no problem at all, man. So. 100%, 100%. And I think the big thing, too, for it would just be to, like, you know, there's been a lot of like Jays fans because of like the Vladdies, right? Yeah. Like you said, like the the young, exciting players, the Boba Shets. Yeah. You need to bring in these fans right now that are like, oh shit, the Jays are damn good. Right. Like, this is an exciting team to watch. You need to kind of get like, there's that hype around, yo, we can actually compete and win, right? Like, yep. And I'm not saying they can't with the roster they have right now, but sure. just it, it's that whole idea of going out and, and getting guys right now that are going to be out there and, you know, just it kind of just ignites that fire. And you look, you know, we're talking about the Leafs right now. You look what's going on in Toronto. It's like there is zero hype around that squad <laughs> this uh, this offseason. Yeah. Like there is not a lot of excitement around what and they've done. It's a done. team that just had 115 points, but uh, everybody's just like, call me when you're ready to do something in the playoffs. Exactly. Like, it's, it's a dead buzz, man. That's... Yeah, they're sitting there and it's like, okay, cool. It's like, whatever. The Argos, man, they can't even get 5,000 oh. guys like if they wanted to. Yeah. You couldn't pay 5,000 people to go watch right. an Argos game right now. <laughs> Toronto is a, in a great spot. The Jay right now to kind of take over Toronto again. The Raptors are in that kind of no man's land. They're just kind of floating because of yeah, good know, team, but not great team. No, but that, yeah. that, 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 uh, that, you know, NBA championships is starting to kind of wear off a bit. Like yep. it started, like they didn't have a great year. Like they're just kind of sitting there. They're okay. But like, this is the time for the Jays where, like I said, they go out and they buy a montage. They go out and they get a, you know, uh, you know, like you said, Josh Bell would be awesome. And Ian Happ, a left handed yep. bat. You grab a reliever, you grab two. Yeah, sell the farm. But like that's the point. Your farm is these guys like Vladdy and Biggio. You rebuilt the farm so you yeah, could do this. This is the point. You yep. want to have this competitive young squad for the next two to three years that you know is going to compete with the Yankees in the playoffs and in the regular season. You're going to compete in the AL East. They're going to compete in the AL. Like they're going to be a team that is there to mess with. So I, I'm all about them buying right now, and hopefully they do. And 
just bring some excitement to the fan base, but also just some baseball excitement. To, you know, it trickles into Ottawa. There's of lots course, of Jays yeah, fan around here. Sure. There's plenty around Canada. It's it's kind of like you know we always argue that you know the Jays are Canadian or Canada's team. Are they really is the Yankees, the Red Sox because Oof. of all this stuff? But it is <laughs> it, it, it's fun, man. I yeah. remember watching that like the excitement with all my buddies and watching that Jose Batista bat flip in that Amazing, playoff man. series run and just how exciting it was. But it's like everyone was watching it. It was a where were you when moment. Yeah. And it's like the Jays haven't had that since then. It's like they would it would be awesome for them to have one and and just adding to your squad right now would just absolutely just I wouldn't say guarantee it, but it's for sure has a lot better chance of happening. Uh, one of the things that uh, we heard over the course of the weekend, and a lot of people may have missed this, I don't know if you saw it or not, Bunda, but uh, Marcus Stroman mm. made it official or made the announcement he's going to pitch for Puerto Rico at the World Baseball Classic next uh, next spring. And I just found it interesting, only in the sense that uh, I think it was the last time we had this, maybe the time before, he was a very big part of Team USA. And he has heritage in uh, in both countries. I think it's his mother that is of Puerto Rican descent. I could be wrong about that. Um but has lineage there. And we see lots of guys who in baseball, um, I believe, was it not Freddie Friedman played for Canada the last time we did this thing? Because <laughs> he doesn't want to represent them. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's fine. But one of the things that kind of gets to or comes to mind for me is in most sports, especially sports with a more like a bigger tradition of international play, right? It, it's only been at the, the WBC and the Olympics a little bit, but we've never seen like best on best with no like spring training pitch count limits and stuff like that uh, in baseball. This, the international play is kind of new. In most sports, once you declare for one nation, that's your nation, right? Like we've seen Brett Hall, one of the most famous guys in, um, you know, Team Canada wasn't interested early in his career and, um, he ends up going and playing for Team USA, and then Brett Hall becomes awesome, and Canada comes knocking. He's like, no, Team USA gave me a chance. I'm going to stay with USA. And I, there are, I think, rules at the World Hockey Championships and at the Olympics and stuff. Once you have competed, like if you have heritage in multiple nations, that's fine. You can choose. But once you choose one, that's your nation moving forward. You're not showing up every other Olympics playing for a different country. And I wonder... Maybe the WBC isn't important enough to care, but I, I kind of I think it's weird. And Stroman isn't going to make Team USA this time, right? His career has taken a bit of a downturn. But do you have any problem with the fact that he's going to pitch for two different nations in in back to back international tournaments, or does it really matter in this thing? Yeah, for me, it doesn't really matter. But is this just not like a Marcus Stroman story too? Yeah, of course. Like he he knows he's like you said he's not going to make Team USA this time around. Um, I don't know. I I loved Stroman when he was here with the Jays, and yep. I thought this said a lot too, especially going back to that 2015 playoff run because I believe they went to him over David Price in one of their games, and it was kind of surprising. Well, he started Game One of yeah. the uh, ALDS, uh, I believe for sure. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and. You know, he always had that, you know, smaller guy, chip on his shoulder, but he's a gamer and he was exciting to watch. But then it just seemed like his ego just kept getting bigger and bigger (laughs) and just took a turn. And when they got, you know, the Jays got rid of him, I was like, you know what? You know, I I really, really was high on this guy. And then I just kind of like lost my love for him. And I'm like, you know what? This guy's a bit much. And then he just (laughs) constantly kind of puts himself out there a lot. And it's like, you know, you're not really relevant much anymore. And it's like, all right, all right like, good for you. I don't, the story when I saw it, I was like, it's just such a Strowman story. It's like, hey, I'm going to go jump on a squad where I could probably be their number one starting pitcher to whatever it is, rather than be 
maybe a bullpen guy if I'm even lucky enough to smell the squad. Right. And it's like you said, the WBC is, there's just not a lot of hype right now on that for me. But it's also like, I don't know if there's a lot of hype in general. No. It's like they need to do a better job of, like you said, just changing things up and making it a little bit more exciting for baseball fans to watch. But I wonder if this is ever going to be important. Like to me, there's something, I don't, don't it it sucks where, you know, in the first round, there's a pitch count (laughs) limit of like 50 pitches or whatever for your starter because obviously it's spring training and well, that's kind of hard for me to get super excited about because, like, my pitcher might be in the middle of the third inning, you know, in the middle of an at-bat facing someone uh, pretty critical, and I know this mm. has to be his last batter because he's at that, you know, a huge game between, well, whatever, for us, our say Canada and, and USA or Canada and whatever, you're just like, well, you wouldn't pull your pitcher here, right? Like, this is yeah. a big moment, and so... In that, like, I'll watch it. I get into it every year when it comes around, but it's kind of bummer, uh, kind of a bummer in that sense that it's not true best on best or not true, you know, um, however you want to call it, because we have all these restrictions because it's spring training. And so until that changes, I don't know if this will ever become as big as they want it to, but it's the closest we have right now. And like I said, my, I don't know, criticism, whatever you want to call it, isn't that he's going to pitch for Puerto Rico. If he has heritage there, that's totally fine. But if um, it's it's more that you can kind of bounce between countries, I kind of just think you got to pick one and and kind of probably stay there. I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that point of yeah. of that. And like I said, I feel like this is him kind of just saying, "Yeah, I want to make sure I play in this because get, yeah, get into this. Thing. Yeah, I gotta I gotta get into this. I want to stay relevant. I want to stay, you know, as a big name somewhat. Yep. Like I said, the Stroh Show isn't is what it what it used to no. be anymore. But he's still an exciting guy. That when he throws, you know, he gets himself jacked up. I like that aspect of him. Like he's he he's no he is. Uh, I guess uh, his ego is very much there for sure, as like you said. And I, I know that the, the WBC is in a spot too where, like you said, it sucks because they go through spring training, but it's so hard because pitchers and catchers pretty much they deploy in like late February, early March. Yeah. Baseball can go until end of October. October. Yeah, yeah, man. Like it's a long time. There's not a lot of downtime for baseball players. Yeah. They play 162 plus. If you're making the playoffs and like you said, you're traveling to October like a lot. And hey, some of them, you know, are pitchers and they aren't. But at the same time, it's very tough to find a window for the WBC, you know, even for the Olympics, like whatever it is for baseball. It's tough. It is. It's very hard for that to work out. But at the same time, it's like you need to have that international hype. And I, I believe that baseball is a sport that just they're very much uh, they, they, they're very content with being stagnant. No, I, I, I agree with that. They're. They don't care very much. They drag to, their heels to advance anything and America's become more modern. Gr- America's game, right? Like that's the pastime. Yeah. America's favorite pastime. Yeah. It's like it's not true anymore, but they still live off of that belief. And yep. it's like, okay, they don't do a great job of marketing their star players. They don't do a great job of marketing their sport. I believe and half they, the te- half the league actively trying to lose most of the time. Yeah. Right? If we're not in it, we'll just sell everything, make no money. Look at teams like Oakland and Tampa. Oh like that, all they do is that. Like yep. they literally all they do is trade off their best players every couple of years maybe they're lucky enough to make the play like the the Rays a couple of years ago it's like they were a couple of like how long ago were they in the world series like two, it was 2020 right yeah i think so yeah. and now it's like okay like they're still great and they're in a spot right
right now or they're just chilling, but it's like there's zero hype ever on the team. The Trops sucks. The Jays are about to play a couple <laughs> games there, and it's like, okay, is this exciting? I don't know. Probably not. Right. But say, great for the standings if they could push two games on sure, them. Sure, yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like there's just zero hype when you go to Tampa, and there's been rumors of them wanting to split with the Montreal yeah. Expos, <laughs> and it's like that got axed pretty quickly because everyone's like, yeah, it's a stupid idea, <laughs> right. which it always was. But the baseball in general, like I think I've been on this pod uh, uh, multiple times, but yep. just talking about how they don't do a great job of showcasing their global internet like star in Shohei Otani. Like yep. Mike Trout is a guy too, where it's like both in Anaheim, mediocre yeah. team, never makes the playoffs. Those are two of your stars. You're in California, yep. and you're two of the like Mike Trout, one of the best like players to ever play the game. Yep. Shohei Otani is doing stuff that hasn't been seen since Babe Ruth and is going to be talked about for so long. Yeah. But it's like, okay, the average person would not know who the hell either of these guys are. Right. It's like, oh, we're talking about Bryce Harper again. It's like the guy was on the like cover of Sports Illustrated when he was 16 years old. Yeah, he's been good, but like, I don't know, like it's just there, there's certain aspects of baseball where they're just so stuck in their old ways that they need to do with such a like I'm I'm sorry if I'm spitting out hot takes and people are going to get mad about my baseball, but it's like I just feel like like when you're looking at sports right now, the NFL is king in the yep. United States. Yep. You look at the NBA and they're jumping ahead of ba- uh, baseball of no course, yeah. problem right now. In the last couple of years, it's been a while, but like I'll go five, almost eight years now that baseball has just kind of slid behind and they're kind of just like chilling. They're stagnant. The NHL is the same problem too. Yep. Like, I don't know. Too that. old school, too many. Yeah. yeah I feel like they're trying around. to work their way a bit A little more. bit in the last year or two. Getting on, uh, on TNT and ESPN should get them back a little bit more relevant right mm-hmm. in the mix. But it's so, you know, you bring it It'll up. It'll take and time. Yeah, of course. And, you know, you referenced, you know, Tampa and Oakland and, and the way that's going. Um, coming out of this lockout, like they, the, there was threats that the season would be delayed and everything. Mm-hmm. This was, we're trying to fix the system and make it a more even playing field, all these things. And then on like the second day of training camp, the Oakland A's go out, coming out of that lockout and trade Matt Olson to Atlanta and Matt Chapman to Toronto. Mm-hmm. They're two best players. Just go, yeah, no, we can't afford it. Well, then what was this for? Mm-hmm. Like, why did, if you can't compete, maybe you just can't compete and you go down there and there's, yeah, there's. 3,000 people in the stands in Oakland in a 40,000-seat stadium, and it just looks pathetic. So, Speaking of the athletics, too, I think my favorite storyline in the last couple of weeks was Kyler Murray signing his huge uh, his huge contract in the NFL, which yep. was ridiculous, but I think he's making like somewhere around like $48 million a season now, yep. and he was drafted by the Oakland Athletics, and he was uh, oh, playing... That, yeah. yeah, he was playing for the Oklahoma Sooners, and he... He was a two-star, like he was baseball, uh, baseball, football, and he was drafted by the Athletics, and I I believe it was a first-round pick, and he was scheduled to make like $8 million. Like, if he signed the contract, he's making three right away. He's going to jump right in there instantly. He's going to be a guy that they can play with, and he's like, you know what? I want to go back to school. I want to play quarterback. I want to go play football. It's kind of always been my dad's dream. It's been my dream. Went back, won the Heisman, ended up like taking Oklahoma, playing good. First overall draft pick. Everyone's like, okay, he still like loves his baseball, signs his contract, and then the stat came out last week or whatever it was. But him making forty nine million dollars a season in the M- in the NFL, and right now the Oakland Athletics who drafted him, I think their payroll is forty six yeah. million dollars for their entire team. Yeah, it's like, yeah, this guy is now getting paid more than that whole payroll. Well, and not to mention that you know he he would have made his th- his way through quickly. But in the NFL, he's going to go and make that and play right away. In oh, yeah. baseball, you sit in the minors for a few years making peanuts, too. Like, And I understand he was a special case. He'd have made a bit more money. 
But in the minors, you make nothing. And in Oakland in general, you make nothing, as you've pointed out. There was no doubt this guy was going to be an NFL. He'd be on the Yankees right now, probably with Russell Wilson yeah. taking practice <laughs> or wherever. But like, it, it's just, it's crazy to see that Oakland just constantly just sells off their best players and yeah. somehow just is a team that's just there. It's like they're just there to pretty much trade off their assets, bring in guys, kind of cultivate. They're like a minor league team that just gives they away are, their yeah. best players. It's kind of, it's it's unfortunate. Development system for somebody else, the way yeah. the Sens kind of have been for a while. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Mark Stone like, and Eric uh, Carlson and, and yeah, but uh, that's sort of, I guess, the small market, big market thing. But you, you mentioned Kyler Murray there. We should touch briefly on Deshaun Watson, who, uh, for those who haven't been following the story, uh, is accused of... Um, I don't know what you want to like coercion with uh, multiple masseuses, and this is down in was he with the Texans? I believe before the yep. Browns. Yeah, so he's down there, and there's something like uh, the New York Times reported that it was like 66 different massage therapists in um, 17 months. Yep. Which is fucking weird, especially as an athlete who normally, like, that's your living. You find one person you trust and you let them work on you. This is obviously about something more than massage therapy. This guy's got a problem. And he gets in there and apparently is intimidating multiple women into doing things that go beyond the uh, the typical massage. And most of them are pretty uncomfortable with it. So there have been multiple, multiple dozens of women who've come forward and said, this has happened. This is a thing. And people have been calling. Uh, he moves on from the Texans, signs a massive contract with the Cleveland Browns. Of course, joke of an organization, but needed a quarterback. Gave him a pile of money, most of it untouchable, right? It's in signing bonuses. It's guaranteed money that, uh, that he's going to get paid either way. And all of this starts to come to light. And people are calling out for a massive suspension, maybe a year, maybe multiple years huge fines before you let this guy back into the NFL and it comes down this weekend they will suspend him for six games what do you think of the Deshaun Watson thing this weekend yeah it it really bothers me because you look at a lot of different situations here and you know I've read and and saw a lot about it online so far but the big thing is is this is the judge that has ruled the sixth game um yeah, not the league. Not the league. So the league can absolutely come in here and say, hey, we're also tossing on six games. Because you look at Ben Roethlisberger. He had one sexual assault allegation. He had six games. Yeah. You look at what happened this year. Calvin Ridley for yeah. betting. Yep. Full season suspension. Yep. You look at everything that goes on in the, MO, in the NFL right now, and it's just there's never been a good disciplinary spot. But the what it does is it caters to the star quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson, when he's not trying to get massaged and do the disgusting things that he's doing, he's one of the best he's quarterbacks. Good at throwing a football. Yeah, he's yeah. a great quarterback. He's yeah. one of the best in the NFL. I could care less. I used to think he was great. I loved when he was with the Texans. When I heard the story, I was like, wow, that absolutely sucks. Yeah. And he didn't end up playing for an entire year because of everything that's kind of gone on. Houston kind of did whatever. Cleveland. Hey, we need a quarterback we'll because, shot, yeah. yeah, what the hell? And it's like, then, like you said, his money is all guaranteed. Yep. Like, he is, none of his money is being affected. He is protected against all of this. All of his money that he is signed up to make, which is like $46 million, <sighs> no problem. Yeah. Like, his guaranteed money of like $48 million, not touched. Right. He's going to get six games right now. He's 
the NFL is going to jump in, and I'm sure they're going to add some games onto this. And if they don't, it's just going to be even more ridiculous. But it bothers me that the judge ruled six games when I think this this is an absolute minimum of another gear. I don't believe that she went on time served of a whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate that Cleveland traded for him and gave him a contract that absolutely doesn't make him lose any money. Um, yeah, they've decided wins are more important than than anything else at this point. Like you yeah. said, Roethlisberger and. I, I want to be careful how I word this because I'm not trying to demean the Roethlisberger one or say that that was okay in any way, but they decided that allegation was worth six games. Well, now you have dozens of women making an allegation and that's worth the same. That's also just six games. How does that make any sense at all? And you're right. The the other one last year with the the one, I forget the guy's name now, who's betting on... Uh, Calvin Ridley. Yeah. Falcons receiver. Yeah. He's betting on the game and frankly, through one of the NFL's sponsors... Uh, if you're okay with sports betting, you should be okay with sports betting. But that was a whole year. That's worse than what this guy's accused of. It's it's such a bad look, man. And and like you said, to give him the contract that they did, that's because they knew this was a possibility. That's one way they got him to sign. That goes, look, we get it. Even if they do suspend you, we'll still pay you. You're like, fuck, what is wrong with you? Like, Cleveland, right? Cleveland Cle- doing Cleveland things. That's why I want to see, as much as I hate the Panthers, like I'm a huge Bucks fan. I love the NFC South and them being Kings. I hate the Saints. Yeah, I don't like the Falcons. Uh, the Panthers, I don't. But I want to see Baker go just tear it up in, in Carolina and just yeah. stick it to his old team. He's got to beat out Sam Darnold, who he already beat out once for the draft position right, yeah. a couple years ago. I've always been a Baker guy. I don't believe he ever had a great spot. I believe that Cleveland is a, just a... Like just a terrible organization yep. for what they've done. I hope Nick Chubb leaves. I hope half their team leaves. Um, and and this is a situation too where, like you said, you went out and you made sure. And hey, spare me the amount of facts before you you judge a guy. Like you said, sixty six women in seventeen months. This five, is not about a massage. We've got five of them minimum that are still hanging on. Like a lot of them are settling and yes. doing what they can. It's a tough situation and, and the judicial system is corrupt and broken and I hate it. We can get yep. into many different things, <laughs> but I just, it, it's never, it, it just, it sucks. And, it, and I feel terrible for all the women that are involved in this because they constantly lose. Yeah. And, Deshaun is just made out to constantly be a winner here, and it just bothers me so much that I just I really hope the NFL jumps adds another year, a couple like everything, like just do so much more than what they've done in the past because it bothers me, and it's been countless amount of times the NFL has just absolutely failed. You they look at the Tom Brady yeah. deflating footballs, gets a couple four games. Like you look at Ray Rice, oh yeah. two games, and then the video comes out, hasn't seen the NFL since then. It's yeah. like what the heck are you doing? Why why does it take a video to come out to give him a full like lifetime suspension for well, like punching yeah, a girl. most victims are not going to have live Joe video Mixon footage. in college yeah, at yeah, Oklahoma yeah. punching a girl like oh but you know what he's he was only a third round draft pick and now he's one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL you look at it just there's so many of them in the NFL that just get away with so much and that's the like I'm, I love the NFL it's my favorite sport right. it's my number one I love the NFL like, yeah, Bucks fan hate Antonio Brown <laughs> Hated when they signed him. Yeah, you know, I, I try and put my differences aside, but I hated it. I hated when they brought him in, and the guy is just a case of just bad news, and he's constantly got bad news going on. It's like there's so many guys. You look at Greg Hardy and how we, yeah. we, you know, I've talked about it millions of times on here too about how much I hated the UFC and Dana White trying to pull a guy from the NFL and make him a star. He's not even in the UFC anymore because the guy was just some wannabe name. who was a defensive <laughs> end, had a great couple years, you know, pretty much, you know, beat the hell out of his wife, threw guns on her, had stupid pictures with a girlfriend. I don't remember what she was, but then like it's just, they he got a Cowboys, hey, we'll give you a contract. Yep, yep. Here you go. 
And it's like, what the hell? And then he was a case, and then he's out. Then he's a UFC star. And then it's like, he sucked. Yep. It's like all you could do is throw him. You couldn't do anything else. And yet we constantly, constantly had Dana White trying to feed him on main cards. And it's like, dude, get this guy off my TV. He's not a good UFC guy. He's not your next Brock Lesnar that no. comes. Like he wanted to have this this athlete. That, crossover. Yeah, right. like the Brock Lesnar was like, it was awesome. Sure. And he did it. But it's and they haven't been able to really do a lot of that. There's been a couple of guys here and there, smaller guys, but not a lot of this two sport, like big star guy. That yeah, comes from a different, might bring a different audience, right? Yeah. And you're you're force feeding it, and yeah. it's just not there. And it's like it just the NFL is constantly in these spots where they just they'll give the star players the benefit of the doubt, and, and constantly you'll get hey winning is what matters in the NFL, and that's what bothers me so much. Like I said, as much as I am a huge diehard Bucs fan, I hated when they signed Antonio Brown. I hated that he got a Super Bowl ring and that, uh, you know, uh, turned into him pretty much getting naked on a field and running off doing jumping jacks and making rap videos and doing God knows what anymore now, and he says he doesn't even know if he wants to come back. It's just like all of this stuff bothers me because it's a constant in the NFL, winning and money is so much more important than suspending players for being disgusting or doing <laughs> stupid shit. And it's totally right. Yeah. Uh, I want to stay on the football thing, but uh, we'll move to the Canadian variety. Before we do, we've grabbed another round here. What are you going with this time, Mom? Well, I uh, was looking through your fridge and I found a cool can. It's got a uh, cool little lightning bolt on it. Uh, I don't know if it's a Tampa Bay Lightning. I doubt it, but it's called <laughs> Rebel Rebel ESB. 5% from Brew Revolution. Nice. Has a cool can that's usually going to get my eye, and it's like, all right, let's go. So I'm going to give this a shot next. And uh, I referenced earlier that uh, earlier in the weekend, I was out trying a couple of, uh, maybe I mentioned, uh, <laughs> earlier in the long weekend, trying a couple seltzers from uh, from Bangarang. And uh, we've talked about them before on the podcast. I'm not always much of a seltzer guy, but these guys make some pretty good stuff. And Traditionally, they've had a couple of their own flavors, like pink lemonade and lemon lime and stuff. And uh, they put out a thing back here, I don't know, a month or two ago. And I think they're calling it like their traditional pack or whatever. But basically, it's a rainbow pack of the old Crush soda pops, right? The uh, You could buy them in a 24-pack. It would have six orange, six grape, six cream soda. And uh, I think normally they'd stick like six hires root beer in there or something. Too. Oh, yeah. That's Mugs. A, Mug root beer. Could have in the mug. Yeah. And um, so I guess this is a play on that. And uh, my sister got it for me for my birthday. A 24 pack. Got uh, whatever, six different types or six uh, versions of four different types here. And uh, so I was trying that on uh, on the Sunday afternoon here on the long weekend over at a friend's place. It was hot as hell. And uh, this seemed like something that would call out to me. So... I've, tr- I've gone back today. We're going to do the grape, which uh, I had yesterday. Um, also have had the green soda, the cream soda and the orange. Um, yeah, they're just like 5%, but uh, it's actually funny, man, how much they're on the nose, right? And how much they taste like the old so- soda pops. Yeah. No, I, you, you sent me the little picture of it. I was like, you know what? We need to make sure you do a little ranking of it. It's I'm not a big seltzer guy, but I, I do like a good little fruity one. Every yeah. once in a while, I'll just crush it. It's like a 
you know, not to sound like an alcoholic, but it's a nice uh, morning or afternoon drink. <laughs> you know, it's totally. Just, yeah, it's like it's something where it's not as heavy as a beer. And it's got some flavor to it. It's different. Um, I'm always down to try anything. Like I'm actually that's my fault is I'll try just about any beer or alcoholic drink pretty much. But sure. um, but yeah, I know how to, how would uh, so would grape be your number one? No, the cream soda is the number one. Cream soda I for have, sure. Right? I have no aversion whatsoever to saying I'm all about the the pink. Like that's totally fine with me. Absolutely. Uh, grew okay. up as a Bret Hart guy, right? So uh, okay, if he can wear pink, currently wearing a hat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right, man. The Calgary Hitman uh, uh, hat we got in here, but um, yeah, I always figured if Bret could wear pink. Nothing wrong with pink, right? So uh, the cream soda is probably the best one. Um, then the grape, and then. Uh, yeah, probably the orange and then blue raspberry because, uh, like I said, in the original, you know, whatever crush pack back in the day, there was no blue raspberry, but there's no way to, I guess, do a root beer or they didn't want to try or whatever. So that was the one that's kind of different than the old rainbow packs. But uh, here comes crush with a blue raspberry. Yeah, next week. nice, man. That'd be all right. But uh, <laughs> that was the cream. I'd, I'd, if I had to rank them, yeah, cream soda, grape, orange, and then blue raspberry. And then just in the normal, um, again, this kind of maybe speaks to my my tolerance for uh, for pink, the normal Bangarang collection that you see in the LCBO all the time, the pink lemonade is awesome too. Oh. Uh, they make really good stuff there. So yeah, that's probably how that goes. I don't know if you're familiar or not, but oh, I know you know Justin Howell from the Red Blacks. We're going to talk about them in a second. Sure. He was in here uh, or on the show sometime during the pandemic and a lot of those CFL guys in that lost 2020 season, you know, they, they don't make piles of money in the CFL. A lot of them had to go find other jobs. And he ended up as a salesman for Bangarang. So that's how I heard about these guys. And he hooked us up with some to start with. And uh, honestly, that was kind of the first seltzer I ever really got into. But that comes from from Justin Howell of the Red Blacks. Yeah, no, he's a great dude. And like you said, CFL, like so many of them did that. And he's a local guy that lives in Ottawa. Yeah. So um, awesome that you had him on the pod, but that he was doing that too. And that now, look at he's introduced you and now you're addicted. Exactly, like, man. You're on your own pod, not even drinking beer. I was going to chirp your sister <laughs> about getting them for your birthday. I was going to say, does she not know you like beer? But She Jesus. does, yeah. yeah no, your, but uh, she's hit this one on. And, and uh, yeah, it was fairly thoughtful, right? You knew the bangerang at least I, I would try. And Good call. Hot summers there up at the family cottage. These go down pretty nice out in the sun, right? So, uh, no, she was dead on the mark there. Um, why don't we talk about the Red Blacks? They get off the schneid, finally get a win. One and six, beat the uh, Toronto Argonauts on Sunday afternoon, uh, Sunday evening. Before we uh, you know, talk about the game, this is a couple straight weeks now where the CFL has thrown down a Sunday game. I know last weekend, I don't think they meant to. I think that was pushed back because a bunch yeah. of the Rough Riders um, had tested positive, and so it was pushed back to Sunday. It ended up doing massive ratings for TSN. I don't believe the ratings are out yet for what Toronto-Ottawa did. I expect, obviously, it will be less than the Rough Riders. They always draw an audience, so um, this won't be quite the same, but uh, you in favor a little Sunday CFL action throughout the summer before the NFL gets up and go? Obviously, in the fall, you don't even bother, but in the summer, man, I, I kind of like it. Yeah, I don't mind it. I have problems with the way the CFL schedules their games, though. Like, I wish this was a Sunday at 1 o'clock, not a Sunday at 5. Right. Um, I feel like they don't do a great job of marketing their games in better areas. Like, you know, they love their 7 o'clock Saturday nights and late nights. 
make it afternoon, make it fun. My pro- only problem with the Red Blacks game yesterday is, hey, it, it was never going to sell a lot anyways, but I saw that like there was not a lot of people no, at the game wasn't. anyways. But when you look at it, it's like, okay, it's Sunday of the long weekend and the like the kind of year. I know that there's Labor Day, but it's like everyone looks at the August long weekend as like it's the last real long weekend of the summer. Yeah. Sunday at 5 o'clock in the long weekend of the summer in Toronto. It was just a terrible scheduled game. I'm hoping the ratings come out and they're huge. But I know that it's like there wasn't a lot of people there. And you look at the record. If anyone who has, doesn't really watch or care about the Red Blacks, they look and they're like, ah, this terrible team, they're on six. <laughs> but they're a team that's lost almost every game by like five points. Yeah, and not a terrible team. No. It's some terrible luck. And, yeah, yeah, terrible luck, terrible calls. The goddamn yeah. command center just, I want to. Some injury yeah. troubles from the. Injuries. I, all there's been well, a lot. Before of, we get into the Red Blacks, let's stay on the schedule thing for a second because I'm interested in that. Like, I don't know what you do in the summer. Like, if you go and if you don't like Saturday night, and I get that. Like, it's a nice summer night. People go out and do their thing on the weekend. Summer afternoons, people are outside trying to enjoy. Like, it's hard if you're going to run this time of year to find a really good time to schedule it. Right? Like Friday nights, people are a lot of them on the road to camp or the cottage or whatever they might be doing like it's hard in the summer to pick a really good time for a football game where you want people to come in and watch tv or buy a ticket and and stay in the city yeah it's why like look where i come off on this is like hey friday nights are great saturday afternoons are perfect yeah like sunday afternoons perfect like the cfl has a fan base of and, and they're very much hey Older people love it. Younger, like they need to do a better job yeah, of yeah. bringing in the new fans. How are you going to do that? You put a game at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon at TD Place. Well, that game ends around seven, eight o'clock. And oh, well, there's a just about every bar you want to go. The bar we there go. you yeah. go. Like Saturday and Friday nights are already like that. You go to, you like, you can't get to games on Friday nights yeah. almost because it's so, you don't go to Lansdowne unless you're going. Like it's just, it's, would, it's the kind of time you, you feel do better it. about a Sunday night not on a long weekend. No. No, so yeah. any Sunday after three o'clock is like, what are you doing? Okay. In, in my eyes, personally, I just I don't. The CFL needs to do a better job of, hey, like, what are we doing this Saturday afternoon? Hey, well, you know, what? let's go watch a CFL game. I don't mind the Sunday five or six if it's not on a long weekend where you're asking people to break up the middle of the just because you know maybe people are back from their weekend plans. Sure, um, you know, back in uh, for a while. Um, our family had a, a suite at uh, the General Motors Center in Oshawa for the Generals. Okay. And on Sunday nights, they played games at 6 o'clock so that it was easy for families still to come. It was late in the day, so you could still have gone and done whatever you wanted to do with your weekend or your Sunday. But it was early enough that you were going to be home before 9 o'clock, right, on a school night, on a work night. Like, Sunday at 6 o'clock was like a beautiful time to watch an OHL game. And mm-hmm. um, there was a few of us who used to go pretty often and, and just check that out. And yeah, you were home in time for family guy at nine o'clock. So um, <laughs> it was priority. Yeah, of course, man. So it wasn't bad at all in that regard. And so I kind of wonder if the CFL, in my opinion, obviously you and I see it a little differently, but I, if it's not a long weekend, cause yeah, obviously the Sunday then is bang right in the middle of, of whatever you might be trying to, to do if you're away for the weekend, but on a normal summer weekend, people are used to watching football on Sundays and mm-hmm. you got to get out of the way once the NFL starts up again. I totally get that, but I don't hate the idea of a five or six o'clock PM game on a Sunday afternoon for the CFL, but yeah, no. you see it a little differently and that's fine. Too. I, don't, I don't mind it once in a while. I thought that yesterday's game was just poorly scheduled yeah. and I thought the Red Sox, uh, the Red Black schedule right now currently, um, Looks good. Like, yep. it's, it's okay. But I, I, like I said, I prefer, like, you know, for me personally, would I care? I don't. 
But I feel like in order to grow the game and to bring in new viewers, you need to be able to mix that in. The summer is already a tough spot. The it CFL, it's you know, they really put themselves in a spot where, hey, everybody just watched sports for the last eight months of, you know, from, you know, August to April. The weather gets nice. You want to go to college. Yeah. If the Jays are good, that swallows up everything in the sure. summer. Yeah, But like you said, people are getting to their cottage. People are camping. People are doing whatever they want to do. But I feel like the, the way to bring in a new crowd and to expand your game is to have these afternoon games where you can bring the family. Yeah. Hey, what are we doing today? I don't know. What my, not much going on. Well, hey, you know what? Let's the Red Blacks, hey, they play at 2 o'clock today on Saturday. Why don't we go check sure. out the game? Yeah. And then after that, we can go out for dinner at 7 o'clock when the game's over and you know and then after we can go do something else and that's where like like location is everything and they have a great location and they have a great environment and TD Place lands down like it's awesome the way that they set it up is perfect and I know that the auto centers are trying to do that because they lock that right now they're uh, they're a team it's like on a Saturday do you really what are we doing Canada hole hey let's go to Cabela's and maybe (laughs) we'll go buy a car at the car area and then oh geez now are we going it's like okay crazy horse cross like it's just like they can do so much better when you get like to that whole area you need to bring in the average people that don't really care and I think that that's where the CFI I've been harping on this for years it's just like the seven o'clock like I get it like you're already going to have your average like your fans are going to watch regardless yep. it's like when like you said the CFL has to compete with the NFL well there's a reason why they put their final like the East finals on one and four o'clock on a Sunday and yep. I'm like why are you doing that with the NFL it makes zero sense put it on the Saturday it's like well you're always going to have your CFL fans that watch yep. no matter what it's the new fans you need to bring in the CFL needs to grow the game market the game more and I find that it's tough. Like the Friday night football, great marketing strategy. I loved it. Great. Absolute great. Yep. Saturday afternoons, make it happen. Sunday afternoons, make it happen. Sunday is at seven. I have a harder time to really want to get around and like, I'll watch. Yep. I, I'm Red Black sideline report. I'll be at every home game uh, <laughs> until they kick me out, which yep. Chris Offley has not done yet. <laughs> but I just like, I, I feel like you could do so much more in bringing in, in, in new fans. And it's like, do you really want to bring a family to a, a like you said, it's tough. It's like six o'clock on a, on a Sunday is, you know, you're home by nine. Transportation is always an issue. Like, you know what I mean? By the time you get home, get everybody settled in. It's, it's tough. And hey, like maybe I'm a crybaby, whatever it is. I don't really care. You're just I, younger than me. You still got a party I, life to Dude, I've got more gray hair than you. I'm 31 <laughs> and I've got more gray hair than a 90 year old man. I just, um, I just I feel like that the CFL scheduling and needs to just do such a better job. You look at I'll bring up as well the MLB All Star Break. Yeah, yeah. Why is the CFL not playing on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday that week when there's no sports going on in the entire world? I've been banging that drum for a while too. Uh, that like, Wednesday, especially when nothing else is on but the ESPYS, you have to play that day. Why you are have you, to play Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. Friday? Like there's six. Like I, I personally, I have no issues. Go up against the MLB Oster game on a Tuesday night. Sure. Why not? You're already playing games on Mondays and Tuesdays. Like you're mixing it in. You're adding a tenth theme. I don't know when. Whoever. <laughs> you know, Randy Ambrosi was on TSN 1200 talking about. Oh, you know, in order to get to 12, you need to get to 10. Like. Dude, why don't you just get to 10 first? Let's start like, with 10. Yeah, <laughs> like there's a lot of issues I have with the way that CFL runs things. But personally, I think that they could do so much better in terms of scheduling, marketing their game, and bringing in new fans. There's so many of these guys that come up from the United States that you know come here. And it's like how are they trying to get their families to watch a game? How are you trying to get the CFL to grow south of the border, especially when you have now here comes the Rock and the XFL, yep. and there's seven, eight teams that they're about to trot out now with their 
competitive pay wise. Mm-hmm. A lot there a lot of these players aren't gonna have to pay taxes. You look at the USFL that just came back last year. A lot of these guys like the why do they want to come? You're not growing your game. And if you want it to be strictly Canadian, go ahead. But to grow your game, they're all about the global. They're all about the American like then make it so that people care. And I feel like like I said Go up against the MLB All-Star Game. Do you really think people care that much about the MLB All-Star Game in the United States? It's like, hey, you know what? We got a football game on yeah. where, you know, I went to high school with this guy from sure, South yeah. like Texas. It's like, man, there's just so many ways that the CFL could be better and, and scheduling-wise. And, yeah, it's not ideal to have a Tuesday night game at 7 o'clock because some people in the summer don't want to have that. But it's like... Just I don't know. I, I've I've always had bones to pick with CFL last couple of years. I get into arguments with people about it all the time and <laughs> hey, we see different on it and you know, we see eye to eye, I believe, on the MLB All Star Week. But yeah. you know, it just I feel like that there's just you know, take advantage of afternoons because I feel like that's when you're gonna bring in new people. Uh hard to argue with that part of it. Let's talk a little about what happened on uh on Sunday night for those who we're out doing other things and not watching it like uh, like we did the uh, the Argos and Red Blacks. Another one that comes down almost to the wire, man, when it gets to the start of the fourth quarter. The Red Blacks are right there, but it's tight. I think at the time they're only up by three, and it looked so much like so many previous weeks where you're like, you're right in it, coming right down to the wire, and you end up finding a way to lose it. This time, they find a way to uh, build on it, have a good fourth quarter, finish it out, get their first win of the season. Um, look, the East, the East is not good in the CFL. It really isn't. I think the Argos were leading at it with three wins. Um, so the Red Blacks now having seven weeks into the season, just gotten their first win, are two games back of first place in the Eastern Division, which is ridiculous. Um, but this team is better than its record has been. And I, I don't normally say stuff like that. I kind of, I subscribe to that. You are what your record says you are type of thing, but they battled through the first two weeks. The Grey Cup, the two-time Grey Cup champion, uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The first game, they probably deserved a better fate. The second one, eh, whatever. They kind of got pumped by Saskatchewan, I think it was, earlier in the year. But the rest of them have all been close. Uh, your starting quarterback goes down in Jeremiah Masoli, your star free agent signing. Or It's been a tough go, but you get off the schneid. You are now one in six, but not even close to out of it in the East. What do you make of the game and where the Red Blacks sit now? Yeah, uh, well, great for them to get a win because, you know, just being around some of the players on the team for so long and knowing how much they care, the fan base that they're trying to build, um, you want to see them win. And some of the last couple of weeks have been brutal. Yeah. Um, like you said, you bring up Jeremiah Masoli and a guy that, you know, the hit that he took and and his injury, the suspension, all that, it kind of really sucked a lot of the wind out of the team that was starting to build. Like, they were always right there. They're competing. They're a team that's very competitive and very talented. Mm-hmm. So to see them get the win, I was excited about it. Yeah, I love the fact that we're seeing Caleb Evans kind of start to step up and, and show that he's he's good. I know that there's been a lot of Nick Arbuckle people. Hey, let's see Arbuckle. Like, hey, like, yeah. I'm not trying to rip on Nick Arbuckle one bit, but this is a guy that, you know, Ottawa signed him. Then he wanted more money. He didn't want to take a pay cut during the pandemic. And I'm going to Toronto. Didn't really do didn't very good out, there. Yeah. Dude was a guy who was just hanging around in Edmonton Back as well. Up on a bad Edmonton yeah, team. Like, like, I'm not here to just, like, like I said, I don't know the guy very well. I don't have anything against them. Yeah. But, like, Caleb Evans has shown he's been in the offense for two years now. And he's a guy that shows absolute athletic ability, which you need in the CFL. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that can scramble for 20 yards and also whip the ball 80 yards. Like the guy's got an arm and he's just absolutely athletic. I love it. Seeing him play, watching him play last night, like he was like 23 for 28. 
and two touchdowns and ran, scrambled. Average about five or six yards running on the ground. The, the Red Blacks ran the ball well. William Powell had, I think, five five yards a carry or something like that. But it's Jalen Ackland, guys that they, they brought in. He, Nate Bahar was a beast on Nate uh, Bahar, big touchdown late in the game to you know kind of seal the deal. Yeah. But um, seeing a guy like Jalen Ackland, who's right there, is one of the top receivers in the CFL, mm-hmm. um, really had that, like, you know, kind of Greg Ellingson vibe where he's been a good receiver for a little bit, but then now you're going to be like the focal point of an offense. And right. hey, Darvin Adams was the sweetheart that was brought in from Winnipeg <laughs> as a free agent. And it's like, okay, but like Jalen Acklin's right there. I, I believe he's right in the top three of receiving yards in the CFL. Had another hundred and something yards. Yeah. Uh, you know, a touchdown against the Argos, like just a guy that's just showing up constantly. It's like, hey, a lot of it was, oh, the chemistry with him and Jeremiah Masoli is going to be great. No, it's, you know, Caleb Evans is now the quarterback and he's still showing like he's a he's a reliable wide receiver that's doing so good. Well, he uh, he hit that game winning touchdown last week before the command center got involved. Right. He made the play and then things started to go haywire. Maybe it wasn't game winning, game tying. It was late in the game. Yeah. He, he connected into the end zone. And it got called back, and then he goes out and he makes another play, and that gets called back. And you're, he has sort of grown. And I thought the Toronto game was interesting because it it, it sort of encapsulated his whole season in one game. The offense got off to another slow start against Toronto, and then sort of built and kind of got going. And by the time you were late in the third quarter and moving through the fourth quarter, they were moving the ball pretty well. And some of that obviously was assisted by Toronto just melting down on penalties and, yeah. and shitty plays like that. But as the game moved on, he started to perform better and better. And I sort of feel like that's kind of been his season in a nutshell. It, obviously, they started with Masoli, but when he was getting in there, it wasn't great And as, since he's taken over. But it's, it's built nicely. And I think he's, we may or may not see Arbuckle. I, I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, the guy's got a name. He's got a lot of talent and, and whatever. But it, for, there is a reason that it hasn't worked out for him anywhere so far. And so I'm sort of with you that I... I'm glad he's here. Like I thought when Masoli went down, it was smart to go out and get another quarterback, but I'm not in a rush to try and force him into that spot. And I know he was sick this week anyway, so he wasn't an Mm -hmm. option, but Evans has sort of showed himself to be, yeah, you know, don't be, don't be giving my job away just yet. Right? No, he was a, he was a pure rookie last year who started games for the red blocks, which is very unheard of to see guys come straight out of college and start games in the CFO. That takes a little while to adjust to the rules, adjust to the field size, Uh, you know, the game it's, it's completely different. So he's, he's slowly progressing and, but he has that natural athletic ability. And I believe that's what I like. It's really going to be what holds him in the CFL for a while. We've seen a lot of the times you're going to see guys, athletic quarterbacks, stick around. And like I said, Nick Arbuckle is a guy that, hey, it's a great guy to have as a in case something happens to Caleb Evans. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, it's like just let him sit there and let him learn the offense again, whatever it is. But like this is Caleb Evans' team right now, and you know I feel terrible for Jeremiah Masoli and the injury he went yeah. through. But it is that next man up mentality, and Caleb Evans right now I believe has shown a lot of positive signs and a lot of growth in each game he's played. And like I said, his report with Dylan Acklin has been great. And yep. on, de- on defense, like to see them have a, a consistent pass rusher in Lorenzo Malden. Yes, um, like it, it's it's been a long time. Justin Capicotti, Ashton Whiteside. Like you, you go back a couple of years. Like Sean Lemon was brought in. Cleon Lang was brought in that one. Great cup run as well. Right, yeah. It's been since then. Then you really had a great pass rush and seeing a guy like Lorenzo Malden. It's like, all right, man. Like 
this guy is showing up in seven sacks through seven games. Like he's a force. He's got a great personality. It's like, hey, they got a pass rush. They got some guys like uh, Avery Williams is out there. Like great leader, great guy to have back there. Um, like lots of great guys on the team. Sherrod Baltimore is a guy that's you know he's having a great year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunate kind of touchdown he gave up to Brandon Banks right. in the sun. It's like <laughs> terrible. But hey, listen, this is a team right now where, like you said, they're not out of it. Excited to get that, that, see them get that win. I want to see them build on it. Big game this week, so I'm excited to see them. You know, get back on the field against the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah, hoping to be uh, to be down at that game. Um, as we sit here now, forget the records. What do you see in the East? Who is Toronto the best team in the East? No. I expected Hamilton would be better than they have been. Um, they haven't obviously been very good. Montreal's been hit and miss, but, uh, you know, uh, records aside, who do you like in the East? What, how do you see that shaking out? Because I think at this point, it's pretty clear there will be a crossover team from the West. I know it's early, but I, I, there's going to be two teams only from the East, I think, making the playoffs. Sort of is my opinion. How do you see that shaking loose? Yeah, it's funny because you look at these teams, and I, I, Toronto has some talented players. I'm not a believer in McLeod, Bethel Thompson. Right. I feel like he's a guy that has an arm once one play, and the next he's throwing a terrible interception. Um, he's I, not a guy that he's he's fine, but he's not a guy who leads you to a yeah, championship. Exactly, yeah. Montreal, like you know, Trevor Harris, not sold on. No. Like Vernon Adams, I you know, I, I'm curious to see what happens with him and whatnot because um, that stand back injury early on hurt them a lot. Very too. much so, yeah, yeah. very much so, and it's tough. And when the CFL loses players like Masoli and stand back, where these are guys like your marketable building yeah. players, it's yeah. like it's so tough. And hey, two different injuries either way, it sucks. East is still wide open, and, and I maybe I'm biased because I cover and I you know no guys I still think the Red Blacks are a team that can absolutely win the East and be a team to mess with because you look at Hamilton it's like I'm not sold on Dane Evans right you look at Toronto I'm not so hey I'm not sold on anybody Trevor Harris like the CFO quarterbacks it's like okay hmm. but even in Toronto right like Andrew Harris and and Brandon Bank like they brought in some names but these are guys who are getting older a little bit and over the course of a season can you depend on them to yeah, it, it, uh, I don't know. Like maybe. You, you look at the way that the Ar- uh, the Argos played and ran the ball against the Red Blacks. I think they have thirty yards. Yeah. Held them like they yeah. didn't run the ball. Like, and that's something where you look at the Saskatchewan game, and uh, that's exactly what he did, right? Andrew Harris ran the ball. Like, yep. it's okay, cool. Like, this is uh, a great Canadian running back for the sport. I don't know. Can he still hold up? And, and like, uh, you know, the joke around the CFL has always been, wait till Labor Day. That's when the season starts. Right. And it's like, I might need to Labor Day to really pick a team, <laughs> but I, I'll tip towards the Red Blacks. I absolutely think they have the talent and the ability to ca- go on a bit of a run. You look back at the way that the team played. Even without Masoli, you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, I think Caleb Evans has an arrow pointing up, and yeah. I think that he's only going to get more confident, more comfortable. I believe that they're starting to tailor the offense around his athletic ability, which is leading to him scrambling more, yeah. uh, leading to him being able to find open receivers, but use his arm strength, use his athletic ability, and that's right. something where, hey, like you can have a certain offense, but this is a quarterback that's different than Jeremiah Masoli. You can use him in so many different ways, and I love it, and I think that Caleb Evans is a guy that right now, Continue to ride him out and see what you have in him because he's like, like I said, Masoli. Like you know, he was he always had that knack for not being able to get things done in Hamilton, yeah, and constantly losing great cups, back to back great cups. And hey, great guy, whatever. But at the same time, it's like 
He's not there right now. And Caleb Evans, like I said, are you really going to ditch him for Nick Arbuckle, who then what? You're going to go back and forth if like Nick Arbuckle doesn't get things done? Right. Ride Caleb Evans. I, 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 like I said, I'm seeing a steady progress. I'm see, seeing confidence built in him. I love what he's doing. I think he's got the athletic ability. I think they have the weapons. Ultimately, I think that's the biggest thing. Their offensive line has been pretty healthy throughout this year, and they've done a good job of protecting the quarterback. But guys like Darvin Adams, Jalen Acklin, William Powell, mm-hmm. like, like you said, Nate Bahar, like they've got some good receivers and good weapons on offense where it's like, hey, like they can mess around here. And I think that, yeah, they haven't won. A, they should be a lot better than the record. Like I'm with you. you, you your, your record is what it is. Yep. But like lots of time, lots of time in the CFL. The East is terrible. There's not a lot of teams. That it's like, hey, they're way better than the other team. It's like well, and the other thing for Ottawa, they have a lot of games left against the East. Too, oh, right? exactly. Like, they've played a lot of the tough teams in the West. And yeah. That's the one thing they've got going for them right now. Uh, you go back to the game against Hamilton. It's like, yeah, Dane Evans, they were flopping quarterbacks. He came down, won the game last 30 seconds yeah. on a, uh, I didn't like the coaching decision towards the end of the game there for, by Paul Lapolis, but at the end of the day, lost the game yep. against Hamilton. Yep. I thought they should have won that game. They didn't have a real great game, but hey, I it, it's tough. And right. this, it's, you've played Winnipeg twice. That's done. Right. Done. You've played BC. You've played Saskatchewan. Like, yeah, you're going to do this again, but you got so many games left against the East. Like, you're going to be fine. Yeah. And I, so, I so call me biased, the, Matt. Yeah. But I'm if I had to pick a team, I am going with the hometown team in the Ottawa Red Bulls right man. now because I just nobody in that CFL East right now is saying like, and, and I don't care who you are from any division or, or sorry for any of those teams representing you can't argue to me that any of these quarterbacks and teams are more reliable right now than the auto rep blocks you just you can try i won't buy it i won't <laughs> personally but i also just looking at it it's watching the games the east is not very good right now and it's kind of open and being in the locker room post game for a lot of the paul apolis like post game speeches mm-hmm. hearing him speak and all he constantly said after these losses was look it sucks you know i still believe we're a great team we're still right there but they're still right, we're right there. Like yeah. this, we're, 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 you know, we're one game out. We're a couple, like the, the constant thing, I mean, like the stress is there. And it's like, you look back to the Red Blacks team that won the great cup. Everyone thinks it's like, yeah, the year before was that team that was great in 2015. Yeah. Lost the great cup to Calgary. Yeah. It was the six, nine and one Red Blacks in 2016 that won the great cup. It's true, man. Six, nine and one. That Sometimes you go cup. through some shit before you get there. Yeah, right? yeah. like it, it, things are not going to go your way. You're going to have, some, like I said, the CFL comes, you got to get hot at the right time. And I believe that the Red Blacks have an absolutely talented roster and a deep roster. I think that's the big thing right now. And that's where they're going to, I think, have a little bit more leverage and over some of the other teams in the East. I think that's interesting, man. And I love, I love the balls on you to say the one and six Red Blacks are the best team in the East right now. And you may yet be proven right that they're, they are better than their record. Don't let me down, boys. Yeah, exactly. We'll, uh, We'll see where that shakes loose. Over the weekend, we did see UFC 277 go down. Uh, you did. Um, you were good enough to pass on one of your links to me, and I got repeatedly stuck in an endless loop of of pop-ups, which sometimes happens in in these questionable corners of the internet that you have to go to uh, to find these streams. It wasn't I, me, was it? I think it was somebody else, but yeah, I can uh, talk to you about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's when, a, uh, when, I feel you. Yeah, and, and so I did see, I was able to find uh, on Sunday morning, I watched the two, uh, the two title fights. Um, Brandon Moreno gets another win over Kai Cara France. I don't know that that was particularly surprising. Uh, they make it an interim title fight because Dana loves to do that, and he has agreements with so many of these arenas to offer them. I think you were the one who maybe uh, explained this on the on the show months ago that uh, the UFC 
tells a lot of these arenas when they're making deals, we'll, we'll get you a title fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether it's a real one or not, uh, Dipson Figueredo is in the crowd. That will be, we're going to see that again um, for the fourth time. It'll be Davison Figueredo versus Brendan Moreno. Um, I don't know. I Like, I'm not disappointed. It's always a good fight. Uh, but, you know, I think Dana in his post-fight press conference there before we get to the uh, the Nunez fight um, was doing his best to sell it because he goes, you know, he's kind of talking like, yeah, you almost never see this and you almost never want to run out of fight four times, but I think this time we can. It's like, well, because this time you have to now, right? Like you have a, a champ and an interim champ. They got to fight to to reunite or uh, to unify the titles. They're talking about perhaps doing it down in Brazil. Um, that'd be fun. Moreno seemed down with that. Uh, what did you think of of his victory over Kai Kara France? And are you down to see him fight this, these two fight again for the fourth time? Absolutely, yeah. like I love it. Like I love it. Great fight so far too between Kara France and Moreno, and yeah. that leg kick to the gut. Like love it. I shut off his liver. Like <laughs> just finished him with a liver kick. That's so savage. Yeah, and, and I'm <laughs> like I love Brandon Moreno. I it's think not he, like either of our livers are in great shape, but it's not because of dude. If I took kicks. a kick like that, I'm not moving for the next three years. <laughs> ever like yeah. it's gonna be tough but no like i love brandon moreno and i'm a huge fan of his i was a huge fan of devious and figueredo as well like seeing like those two like fighting again for the fourth time it's never happened before in the ufc no absolutely the fight to make and hey like alexander pantoja won that fight earlier in the night too mm-hmm. and the flyweight division doesn't have a lot going on for themselves right now but he had the win and he won and he was trying to call out the, like hey i deserve a chance says, i want the title and it's like what do i got to do to get a title fight and dana points out like hey you're ranked fourth in the division. You just beat the fifth place guy in the division. Do the math. It's probably coming, right? Like you're there, but you're not yeah. the next guy. It was just weird to go, what do I got to do? Well, you got to look around and I I think it's there, but you're right. You had to make this, the Figueredo Moreno fight again. Like you have to do it with the way the title situation is right now. 100%. And I just feel like there's like, look, there's there was some unsettled beef between the two of Figueredo and Moreno. Yeah. They got, like you said, the... Uh, Figueredo was there. He came into the octagon. They chatted. They brought I didn't up like that. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. It's a great way to sell this fourth fight. And I, I know, like you know, it's a little what? disrespectful to Moreno. He just won well, again. Now you got this guy in your face. Yeah, so. but it was good because he was very honest about it. And he said, "Hey, look, look, this isn't my time. This is uh, Moreno's time. I want to fight him in Brazil. We'll go for. Hey, like I fought in Mexico, which was great for yeah, Moreno. Yeah, that's and true. Like, yeah. So he brought that up. It was great little mic back and forth. And yep. but I think Brandon Moreno has energy in the octagon is awesome he's a fun fighter to watch his entrances his his high pitch like exciting voice every time he does an interview i love it look those two are the two to fight and watch fight and i don't care if they did it for a fifth time like i I think i've i maybe i'm selfish but those two are good but hey until guys like uh, you know kai kara france askar askarov you know alexander pantoja like i believe pantoja is going to probably jump up like hey he will fight uh, Kai Kara France. We'll see what happens after that. Yep. Give them the next maybe uh, like tel- uh, title shot. But right now, it's hard to not give it to one of these Figueredo or Moreno's. Like they, these two. The division's pretty top heavy. Like, we've t- talked about that before. Top heavy. But at the same time, it's like if this is the fight, like, and it's not like they're one sided. Like no. this is close. Like it's down the oh, middle. Yeah. Like, it's been down the middle for the three fights they've had. I, like first fight, I thought, you know, Figueredo, okay. You, you know, he had that, uh, he 
had the kick, I believe, that was in his, uh, you know, a low kick that lost him a point. Uh, oh, that's right. Or was it the eye poke? Can't remember what it was, but there was a reason why he didn't win, and it was kind of a draw. It's like, okay, cool. So then you get to this next fight, and Moreno beat him. Yep. Like, he just yep. wiped the floor with him, but also <laughs> a great fight. You go to the third fight, very close. I thought Moreno was close. Figueredo beat him, but it was very, very close, and I loved it, and I was into it. But I want to see it again. I, I, well, because that's it. Because you can make the argument now that this is the trilogy, right? You throw the first sure. one out because of the, the DQ to end it. So it's one and one, and now we'll do it again. I'm sure is how they'll try and sell it. I, look, I don't have a problem watching it again. It's going to be a good fight. Mm-hmm. But I, I do wonder if it isn't a bit of an indictment on the division itself to go, yeah, we're going to run this title fight back four times in what, two, two and a half years? Yeah. It's it, the, not ideal. It's tough right now, and the UFC is in a spot right now where a lot of their divisions are top-heavy. Yeah. Like, there's not many where you can go deep. Like, you, you've got a couple lightweight divisions. Welter, Maybe Welter. Nah, Welter is in a spot right now where well, I think... Someone's cleaned out. Everybody. Yeah, he's cleaned out, but he's also running away from Kazma Shamaya right Ooh, now. Yeah. Which, like, I love Kamar Usman. He's one of my favorite fighters, yeah. but if he's actually serious about after his fight against Leon Edwards moving up to light heavyweight and dodging a guy like Hazmat Shamayev... Because Shamayev's now fighting Nate Diaz, which I don't understand yeah. why. I, I hate this fight. It's so stupid. I don't know why. Well, for there's so any many hype. reasons, right? Like they're giving Shamayev a name, but Diaz, like they're. Di- I don't like Diaz. You and I talked about this on Twitter the other day. Mm-hmm. I don't. I've never liked the Diaz brothers. It doesn't do it for me. But if this is supposed to be like the farewell tour and whatever, you're just feeding him to a savage who's going to maul him. <laughs> like, yeah. I, it's a name, and that'll be the main event, I'm sure. Uh, but he's going to get destroyed by Chimeyev. I would bet almost anything. Absolutely. Chimeyev just beat Gilbert Burns, who yeah. is the second-rated yeah. fighter in the world. The fact that he wasn't fighting Colby Covington bothers me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or Kamara Usman, after this fight against whatever happens with Leon Edwards, give him Leon Edwards. That was a fight that you go back to the beginning of the pandemic. Leon Edwards was supposed to fight yes. Cosmo Shemaev. Shemaev got COVID. Man, he had some Instagram and posts where he... down for a while. Yeah, yeah, he didn't want to fight for a bit. Well, not want to fight. He thought he was going to retire. He was battling some serious demons yeah. with COVID. Yeah. Hey, he's back. He's fighting now. He's beating up everybody. Um, his Gilbert Burns fight was awesome because it actually saw like someone punch... Hazmat Shmaev in the face, yeah. and the guy's a psycho. He loved it. He didn't <laughs> care. He was down to brawl. But he still absolutely beat Gilbert Burns, who was the number two ranked fighter. If he's not getting a title shot, why is he not fighting Colby Covington? I understand he'll take any fight, yeah. but the fact that he's going to drop down to fight a washed-up Diaz, who is probably going to get beat up in the first three to four rounds, maybe have a couple punches here and there, take the beating. Maybe he doesn't care. It's his last fight of his UFC contract. He's probably going to retire after the fight, yeah. go to bare-knuckle boxing. I don't know. Dana White always says he loves Nate Diaz, but he never ever is able to give him fights that I feel like ever help him out. His fight against Leon Edwards, he got his clock clean for the first four rounds. Then he had a good couple lucky shots, almost knocked out yeah, Leon Edwards at the in the very fifth end, round. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh. Like in this, it was just like that's such a Nate Diaz fight. But you look throughout the you know the UFC right now, and a lot of their divisions, heavyweight is like okay, they're kind of right there, but they're also kind of rotating the top five right now. Yeah. We're seeing a couple of guys start to kind of transition into it. A guy like uh Bam Bam Tuivasa, yep. like love him. Tai Tuivasa, exciting. 
I feel, feel like he's kind of slowly working his way up that division again, and he's, he's someone that deserves it. But, hey, yeah. you know what we're going to do is we're going to just absolutely talk about John Jones all the time. <laughs> lightweight division, light heavyweight division, sorry. We're looking at a guy like uh, Uncle Ayav, uh, who had a big win over yep. uh, over the weekend as well that I believe should get a title shot. But it's like, you know, Prochaza is still me, that, sitting yeah, there. Glover is sitting there. It's such a dry division right now. Yeah, that division the most, isn't top heavy. It's, it's just dry. not good. Like, it's just not a very good division right now. No, but they're also like, we're starting to see Prokaza, right? Like I said, he's he won the championship against Glover Teixeira. Yep. There's rumors, hey, give him the rematch. It's yep. like, hey, I don't know if we need to see a Glover Teixeira rematch that badly, but hey, Uncle Ive, I believe, is a guy that should win that title and get the next title shot. Yep. Hey, maybe throw him in against, you know, somebody else. I don't care, but I believe he needs to sit there. You look at middleweight, well, Israel Adesanya is just kind of chilling there. Yeah. There's a good couple guys that are maybe in there, but then you look at you know the uh, you know welterweight and it's like okay right now looking at the flyweight division like I absolutely love the fact that we're going to see Figueroa versus Moreno four because we know we're going to get a great fight yep, and I don't sure. I, you know what maybe they're not doing a good job and this is the UFC struggle for the last couple of years is to turn over talent and build yeah, superstars guys, yeah. and Israel Adesanya I thought had a chance when he moved up and he tried to fight Jan Blakovich and yep. he lost that fight pretty easily it was obvious he struggled to make shine off him a little eh? uh, very much yeah. did so and that's the like, problem he's still undefeated in his division but you watched him get beat up by somebody and maybe you just shouldn't have done it right like uh, I, I think that's where I, I I lean to is he should not have done it and he well, did, I wonder he, that like because Volkanovsky's talking about moving up now I'm like I don't, do we really want to see another champ go well, out and it's it's tough because I love Volkanovsky of course um and he's a guy too that like I said a but I, really I love his story, but the guy used to be like a two hundred like forty pound rugby player. Like one ninety, like yeah. The, he's a, but he's just a great athlete, and he's got that GSP vibe to him. Where yeah. he doesn't have the most exciting fights, he doesn't have a lot of knockouts, but he's just an ultimate champion that fights so good. Um, if he does want to move up, you know, good for him right. because I believe there's uh, you know you look at the bantamweight division and there's it's kind of pretty busy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like you look the like uh, the flyweight division, or sorry, the featherweight division, and it's like okay, Max Holloway. Well, we've seen that fight three times, yep. and every single time, Volkanovski. I believe like the first fight was close, and if you want to argue about it, go ahead. Second fight, not close. Volkanovski won. Volk's Third fight, better and better and better. Th- yeah, like he is just it's absolutely. It's not close anymore. It's not. And yeah, Rodriguez is like, give me a fight. Brian Ortega, I don't really have any time yeah. for. Josh Emmett, okay. Whatever. Um, my big guys are Arnold Allen right now. I'm watching and Bryce Mitchell. Yeah. Okay. Like give them a couple fights to kind of work their way back like up. But I believe both guys are if they can continue on this trend. Bryce Mitchell, like he's kind of my guy. The camo shorts. He's from Arkansas. <laughs> he's fun. Loves the submissions. Yeah. You know he. I, I I really like him. He's one of my favorite fighters to watch. But you look at the lightweight division. Man, that's a stacked division. Charles Oliveira's got his hands full. Yep. Like Dustin Poirier, but Justin Gaethje's there. Makachev, like. This oh, is a guy coming, that, yeah, yeah, like Michael Chandler, you know, Darush is right there. Yep. Fiziev is right there. RDA is kind of hanging out. Yep. You know, Matus Gamrot, like there's a lot of guys sitting there. And then, you know, you still have your Tony Ferguson's, your Conor McGregor's sure, yeah. and, you know, there's a couple other guys just chilling there, but that's a tough division. Like, you know, we're talking about top heavy divisions. Yeah. Well, the lightweight division is probably the strongest. It in is the, the most exciting division. right? hundred percent. It's, it's wild. Lots of great fighters there. So if you want to move up, okay. But at the same time, 
I just there's not a lot there for Volkanovski right now. He's kind of cleaned out that division, yeah. and I feel I I understand what he wants. Like you need to be able to have the two strap move up. It's kind of like the thing to do in the UFC right now, and that's why I don't blame Izzy Adesanya for doing that no. because it would have helped his stardom. It would have sure. helped his international, but like, it didn't. And it, so now you're you're looking at that one in the loss column going, ah, and there's nobody like, really there to fight in the middleweight division. Yeah. So it's kind of like, so do you want Volkanovski to do the same thing? Go up into that, uh, you know, another. And I get it. Like you said, he he is a large statured man for the division yeah. that he's fighting in. So maybe he'd be fine. But there's something about having that aura around him right now as he builds and builds and builds in his division that you risk kind of taking a chip off of when you move him up. And if it doesn't go well, mm-hmm. you're like, well, he'll come back down here and defend his title. But now he feels less special, right? And uh, that worries me a little. And we've seen it a little bit as we move to the uh, the main event of the card. We saw it with Amanda Nunez, right? Who yeah. we teed up that fight, you, me, and Creech, uh, months ago when she was going to fight Juliana Pena. None of us took Pena to beat Nunez, like you try and talk yourself into it, right? Like here's all the reasons it might be exciting. But now that I think about it, you may have had uh, some skepticism because Nunez was coming off uh, pregnancy, I believe. And Mm -hmm. anyway, uh, Pena goes out and beats at worst a top five pound for pound fighter in the world, men or woman, and Amanda Nunez. And I went into this fight thinking there's a good chance that Nunez is just going to maul her and take back the title, um, you know, on, on Saturday night. And at the end of the day, Pena landed a couple of interesting submission attempts. Like she stayed with it for five rounds and what, but she got absolutely beat up. She went to the hospital afterward, like literally missing chunks of her (laughs) forehead with how she was being punched. And, um, yeah, like she had a rough night and credit to her for being tough enough to stand in there with Nunez. But it almost looked like Nunez took that loss personally. And like, not only am I going to come back and beat you and take my championship back, I'm going to beat the shit out of you while I do it. And that's exactly what happened. Like I said, credit to Pena for staying in there for five rounds, but she got just hammered. Mm -hmm. No, and I think the thing I loved about Pena is that she had, and I know you don't love him very much, but the Nate Diaz of, I don't care how much you beat the crap out of me. Yeah. I'm going to keep walking forward and taking it. And I wanted to fight. And she was just a brawler. And I loved it because... Well, it landed her in a plastic surgeon's chair. For so. sure. <laughs> and, but it's like, you want... like Dana White loves them. I like You love to see it. It's like, you can go in there and you can be afraid of a girl like Amanda Nunez. And it's, you know, totally I respectable. <laughs> One of the greatest fighters in UFC history. Yeah. Like, you know, people bring up women, greatest fighters in UFC history. The Lioness is not someone to mess with. Nope. The fact that Pena beat her was amazing. Of course. Absolutely amazing. It added the storyline to Nunes' career, right? And it was like, okay, how is she going to be? Is she going to be someone like Ronda Rousey who, when she lost her fight, kind of just chickened away from the UFC a bit? Yep. And nothing against, like, like I said, she did a great job for building the sport in terms of women fighting and, and everything. Yeah, and and then thought, moved on, did movies, did wrestling. Movies, whatever. wrestling. Just carried on. Yeah, but as soon as she lost, she kind of bailed yes. out and said, oh, I, you know, whatever. She has mental health issues. She's got a lot going on in her life. Yeah. Whatever it was, she wasn't in love with the UFC anymore. And it's like, you can kind of tell that as soon as she lost and she got beat up, yeah. it affected her. And totally. it's like, Amanda Nunes, you lost. How is it affecting you? And like you said, she came back with a vengeance, absolutely kicked the crap out of Pena. But the thing I loved about Pena is she took it and she kept going. Yep. She wanted to fight because she knows. And I love, like, the UFC is a fight. Like, it's a puncher's chance. Sure. Literally is a puncher's chance. If you and there was can a just, couple times she almost caught her yeah. like, in those lay rounds. And she did get a good couple shots on. She, yep. Like, I. 
like there was no way Amanda Nunes won that fight. Oh, I, I believe it was four one, five nothing. Like yeah, hey, yeah. it was dominant. But Pena was there the whole time and she just didn't stop. And the heart on her, uh, the picture before at the weigh-ins, the, I think that was the craziest picture, was the two of them just standing face-to-face, holding fists, but seeing Pena's daughter sitting behind her yeah. with her arms up, like, I got your back. Like, that was such an amazing picture. Yes. And it's like, you know she's going to be back, but just... I just, I love the way that she fights. And it's like, you know what? That's good. And, you know, Dana White spoke after it. Yeah, you know what? Shevchenko versus Nunes is the next fight to probably make, whatever it is. You know, Pena's probably going to not be fighting for a little while because, like you said, like she took a pretty good beating here and she had some plastic surgery. Her forehead was pretty much cut open the size of a damn apple. It was gross, yeah. It was gross. But, like, hey, man, like it's it's UFC. This is what happens sometimes. And so, yeah. I'm cool with seeing Shevchenko versus Nunes. That's the dream fight, right? But it's got a little bit of that Volkanov, like we just talked about. Somebody's going to have a little shine taken off them right now. But if you you don't do it now, then you risk one of them, you know, taking another loss, and now this fight's not as special. Like, I I think I agree with you. Now's the time to do it. But you are now impacting the champion of one of your divisions. Somebody's going to take a loss. So, uh, you know, whether that matters or not, like, I'm down to see that fight. We have seen it before, but not... Since they both became like just unbelievably dominant, both of the top of their sport, yeah, top of their divisions, yeah. champions. Like I said, I'd love to see it because it's like it makes a lot of sense right now. Yeah. Like you know, the women division is very tough right now because they're 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 struggling to kind of turn over. Pena was awesome. The fact that she won, I love it because it put a name in there. It and was she, good for the she, sport, for absolutely. Sure. In her last two fights, like beating beating Amanda Nunes is something that she's always going to have. Yep, like she won the strap from Amanda Nunes. She beat her. Sure, you got like I said. There's a lot that happened in her life, but the thing I love the most about it is the fact that, you know what? She came back in the second fight and she just constantly just kept moving forward and taking a beating and she did not care. She wanted to fight. She loves to fight. You want that and you need that. That breeds, you know, new fighters, people yep. that love the sport, people that want to fight and be a part of the sport, right? And I love it. So, you know, I, I feel like it's a great fight to have. I'm, I'm happy so to down see it. for that fight. Yeah. For so Shevchenko that, and uh, yeah, Shevchenko and very much is in a spot too where there's not a lot going on in her division. No, the, the make it happen. Yeah. So it's like, let's go. So I'm I'm feeling it. I'm down. You know, it was 277 was, uh, you know, had some ups and downs throughout the whole card. But at the same time, like, it was good to have that main event because it's like as much as it was very one-sided, it was good to see just someone that's constantly like Nate Diaz hasn't had a lot of wins. No. But the guy can fight and he puts on a fight and he's not afraid. And he doesn't care. He'll, He'll take a beating. Fights. Yeah, he's a name. But the reason he's a name is because he's a, just like I said, Julia Pena walks forward. Yeah, okay, my forehead is friggin' gashed open. <laughs> I've got blood all over the place, but I'm still ready to swing. Yeah. And that's what you need in the UFC because, like I said, it's a it's a puncher's chance. All it takes is one shot, and you can win a fight. And I love that. If you if you see someone that gets intimidated and backs down, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. No, you're right about that. And uh, and this one, uh, I don't know. There wasn't enough beyond the two title fights to get me to uh, to click buy on it. But there's a couple okay looking cards coming out, and we've been talking in the group chat there with Creech about 280. They are loading up that card, and oh, uh, man. and we will absolutely do a. Uh, a preview show for that one. We may have to have you guys in studio just to watch the uh, the fight that night. We'll uh, we'll see how that shakes. That's not till uh, October. We'll uh, we'll figure all that out. But uh, anything else we needed to get to on this one, there, Bunda? Anything else on your mind? Yeah, about how terrible of a fight that is for Hasmachmaya versus Diaz. I just stuck I, right in your cry. Oh, it just bothers me so much. I kind of already we kind of went over it a bit, but I just like I said, I I, I feel like Dana White just kind of gave away that fight. 
And it was well, he and Diaz have been at it for a bit, right? Like it bothers me so much that they let me out of my contract or give me a fight. Like, let's do something. And I kind of agree with that. If I am under contract, let me fight. Yeah. But Dana's almost sort of decided he's just done with him or over it or whatever, but not enough to let him out of his contract. It is. And then when you do turn around and give him a fight, it's like, all right, well, here's somebody no one else wants to fight. Like he's a monster on the rise. And it almost just felt like, you know, after the, uh, the Gilbert Burns fight that you may have had, he's, I, it was like, he stopped short. Like I'm going to ride this train a little longer before I get to the title fight. Like, cause I know this will, this will sell pay-per-views, but like you do run the risk that Diaz finds a little lightning in a bottle and, and, and finds it again. But I, I do think this is all about selling the up and coming guy versus the huge named legend. And I can squeeze that in there before I let Chimeyev go have a title fight. It, it, it's a cash grab to me and just trying to drag this out a little. Yeah. And either screams that guy like Colby Covington doesn't want to fight him. Yeah. Or that Usman is. And like I said, hearing Usman's like, I love Usman. Yeah. But if he's going to actually just dodge a guy like Shemaev, Shemaev's a guy that like has joked around about fighting lightweight division, light heavyweight division. Like This is a guy that literally just wants to fight and yep. just punch people in the face. And yes. that's why he's excited <laughs> to watch because he will do it. And like I said, it was awesome to finally see him fight a guy uh, like Gilbert Burns, because Gilbert Burns is a tough competitor. Like, and you oh, saw, yeah. it. like they went back and forth and beat each well, other. Burns up. put a bit of a hit on him. Oh, absolutely! First guy to touch him, and it was like, listen, like this guy is not absolutely dominant, and he's got he can be beat, he yeah. Can be hit. But he's a psycho that just wants to fight, and I love that. Like, like I said, I love guys that just want to fight. Like all of my favorite fighters back in Keith Jardine, Clay Guida. Like these are guys that just constantly want to just throw, and I love it. And so for a guy like Shemayev, it's like, okay, so Covington doesn't want to fight you. What does he want to do? Hang around the top division and not do anything? You know, for Gilbert Wait, Burns, yeah, no, he's like, gonna go do it. Yeah, Gilbert Burns took a loss, but at the same time, it was a good loss. It's one of those good losses. And I saw someone say it's like even if like you know Diaz loses this fight, it's still not going to take any shine away from. It's like, I don't care if there's any shine on Diaz. Diaz's yeah. resume is himself, right? He's got the ultimate yes. uh, fighter. One of he's the got, biggest names ever yeah, in the business. Yeah. He's a guy that also has a lot of, uh, you know, dodginess to his name <laughs> throughout his career of <laughs> diving away and jumping out of windows to avoid drug testing and everything over the <laughs> years. Like, there's a lot there. But for me, Shamayev taking that fight is just like, dude, that's such a bad decision because, one, I don't find the hype around this fight. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't see any of it for him. Yeah, you're going to win. Like, if you lose, it's just, okay, you took a fight for no reason, and I don't see him losing right. at all. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, what's the point of it? And for Diaz, it's like, okay, it's my last fight in the UFC. Like, And I saw people saying, hey, Con Connor's not ready yet. I don't even know if Connor's ever going to fight again. Yeah. All he does is talk about fighting again, and now he wants yeah, to move up to a welterweight. Yeah. And it's like, you don't really... Like, the guy's got one win against Cowboy over the last couple of years, yep. and, you know, it's... I'm not really... I was a Connor guy when he was in his peak, of but course, he's yeah. kind of ever since that fight against uh, Mayweather, it's just kind of wrote off in the yeah, sunset. Again, he's just he, sort of a name. Again. He took his money and he just, he, like, he pretty much him? sold out. <laughs> yeah, he sold out, literally. And I so, would have. <laughs> yeah, he did $100 million to fight uh, Mayweather. Now they're, like, I saw last week it was trending online that they're trying to have another fight. It's like, you're not going to sell anybody on this. Like, Mayweather, once. Mayweather literally told everybody he bet on himself to win in the seventh round and he did that. <laughs> and it's like, he turned it on, like, like, he took, like, it's just, this is a guy that's very calculated. They had pictures in each other's houses after. After the whole tour of chirping each other was so exciting and fun, it was, you know yeah. the fuck you tat uh, the fuck the you jacket. suit that yeah. that uh, Conor McGregor made was awesome. I loved it, but <laughs> it's just like that's so like, Conor is so old school. It's like get back and show me your 
actually a fighter now. Like your leg broke, whatever it is, like yeah. you're figuring things out. You got beat by Dustin Poirier. You've been beat by pretty much everybody in the division. You're not really relevant other than your name anymore. Go win a f- couple fights and like let's go. Like you that's wanna- all it'll be now, right? Is bringing yeah. him back to sell Hill Main Event a couple pay per views. Yeah. He's not going to get near the title. Again. No, and, and sure, I lo- I'd love this. You know, I'd love that fight like Diaz versus McGregor three. I'd love that so much more than what we'd have right now with between Shamayev and him. You're going to see it on Triller here. Y- yeah, you, you've got like one of the best fighters in that division, welterweight. Whatever he wants to fight in whatever division, the guy's been a psycho and talked about wanting to fight in every division. Like yeah. he's. I wouldn't put it past him. Like, I'm not putting anything past this guy. He he says what he wants to say. He's crazy. He's fun. He's exciting. He just wants to beat people up, and that's what you need in the UFC. He's a guy that could be a, an absolute superstar that's in a year fun. from now if he is a two-division star, or if he does absolutely wipe the floor with Nate Diaz, then he goes and beats Kamaru Usman, which would be a great fight. Like, it, it, you're in a tough spot, so I just... It, that's it bothers, the fight. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Usman Shemayev, man. So, Let's see... Jamaev hasn't been touched in a while, right? Like, or uh, Usman, you know, he, he's just sort of since Burns, right? That first round yeah. against Burns, and it's just like he's then just he dominated everybody. Yeah. He's almost become kind of GSP like, right? Where it's he's just too good. He can kind of wrestle you to the ground. He can what, and it's not super exciting because he's just that much better than everybody. I think Jamaev is a guy who can who can put a, a hit or two on him and make it interesting. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're, and I, that's all I think. I think Dana's trying to drag that story out as long as he can squeeze one more fight. And it, it does make sense. Cause it's not next month that, uh, that Usman's fighting Edwards. So they're trying to line it up right in terms of that'll be the next one. Maybe that new year's show that they always do, or maybe a little later on super bowl weekend. They normally try and do a show in there. Um, I think Dana's is trying to, drag this out a little bit before Shemayev maybe smashes his, his champion. And I think right now, uh, Usman is only one title fight or one title defense, uh, away from Silva's record mm-hmm. of, of consecutive. So maybe he wants to let him get that as well here against Edwards and the Edwards fight. Like you said, that's supposed to have happened so many times and it just keeps having not happened. That goes all the way back to the beginning of the pandemic. So yeah. get that one out of the way. Let, uh, let Chimeyev beat um, Diaz, and then, you know, you're pretty lined up, maybe for Super Bowl weekend, maybe for March, something like that, yeah. and, and go from there. I think that's got to be the plan at this point. But, yeah. uh, the other big exciting fight is my man, Sugar Sean O'Malley. We're talking about it, but uh, he's getting uh, quite a jump here, and uh, I love that he accepted the fight against Pierre Yon. Yeah. Um, but Jan is not someone to mess with. No. And this is a guy that uh, I love, Sugar Sean. That's also going to be on 280 in October. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I know we'll tee it up more. But yep. seeing that come out, I was like, wow, that's a headline. Because you know, it's a guy that just, you know, he struggled to get that fight. Uh, again, not struggled, but, you know, his unfortunate fight here in this last card he just took on. I can't remember the name. Pedro Munoz. Yep. Right. The the eye poke, whatever. Incidental. Ended early in the second round. Yeah, that was a drag. And it's like, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? Like, I, I'm a big Sugar, yeah, I love Sugar Sean O'Malley. I want to see him do it, but like you're going against going up against Peter Yawn, and this is a guy that's top of the division. Yep. Like, should probably still be champion. Yep. Aljamain Sterling, I think, had a great second fight. First fight, whatever was the DQ, <laughs> the DQ or whatever yeah. it was, won the belt. Second fight was okay. Yawn though is not someone to mess with who moves forward and is in your face uh, constantly. Man. So for O'Malley right now, like I love it. Like this is a huge it's test. A step up, man. So it is an exciting uh, card to watch. Like you said, we'll talk about it more and we'll break it down well, more as we tee that on. up. Like I don't know if you can pull the card there up on your phone while we're getting ready to wind this one down. But that two eighty card 
which is going to be in Abu Dhabi, uh, looks like it's going to be absolutely incredible. And yeah, we'll we'll do that when it gets time. You and uh, and Creech will get back in here and and we'll tee that card up. But like it, it's to me, the next two are a little weak. There are fights on each of them at seventy eight and seventy nine that it, uh, or two seventy eight and two seventy nine that I'm sort of like ah, like uh, I'll probably look for a stream probably try and find it but i'm not sure i'm gonna buy 280 that is a can't miss card that uh, that looks fantastic up top like you said it's in abu dhabi too so yeah. back to uh our favorite fight island i fight love island, that yeah. um but also so the main card it, like is just ridiculous but talk about the lightweight uh main event uh mac javers Oliveira, which is going to be a great fight. Yeah, islam Makhachev is a guy that every you know everyone if it wasn't ta- for chameev everyone would be talking about Makachev, right? like he's on that same train, just dominating people. Absolutely, and a guy too, where he uh, he he's from the Habib Nurmagomedov school. Nurmagomedov kind of left the division when this guy Makachev was <laughs> yes. unranked, and he's like, "Look, this is the next title guy. Like he's going to win it." Charles Oliveira, though, he's long. He's a fighter. He's he's very very much someone that I, I believe that is you know seeing a lot of people talk. It's like, yeah, this guy is. He's so good. Yeah. Like he's so well rounded and he's got a bit of a reach here, but either way, that's it's gonna be a great fight. Um Bala Muhammad versus Brady is another fight. Peter Yon versus O'Malley is another fight. And Darush versus Gamrot. Like you're looking at that's the main card um for two eighty so far. And Looks that's October twenty second. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Like I said, we're gonna get more fights and I'm sure it's gonna be more, but you already have like enough there. And like Yon who himself is just like i said one of the best fighters in the division um like this is a guy that you know he beat sanhagen you know lost a sterling but he like should be the champ still in my eyes totally agree on that so Um, and things would have been completely different so i'm excited to see this um i i believe that o'malley has a chance here but even if you got, step up, you gotta you, you gotta compete in this fight because if you get wiped, yeah, your name is gone for a little that's bit, it. and you gotta build up everything you've built up. And um, I'm a huge O'Malley guy, so that's another announcement we saw recently that you know there's been a lot of them, but those are the two that stuck out. I, I hate Shamaya versus uh, <laughs> Diaz. Um, I don't. Uh, I love that uh, O'Malley took the fight against Jan because it shows his confidence. But mm-hmm. same time, like this is a real fight, man. Like you're you're ma- you're not messing around anymore. No more you're, unranked guy. No, you're going no. top of the division here. A guy that's going to push forward and challenge you. Like you got to step up big time. So uh, you know, if I had it my way personally, I'd like to see it over the next couple months a lot less smoking weed and driving around <laughs> in your colorful Lamborghinis, <laughs> dyeing your hair color. Like, dude, you're getting in there and the octagon with a guy who's dangerous and awesome yeah like like pure yawn is no joke no i like love sean o'malley love sugar <laughs> show mm, dude like here <laughs> like you took the fight like like let's take it serious like i think he was hanging out on the weekend smoking weed doing the show events and doing stuff i'm like come on man like this has got time I'm, I'm down to see that fight man that's gonna be amazing yeah but uh we always appreciate when you make the time to come in man uh you're one of those guys that uh you know we've been doing this now since I think we started doing these with, uh, with Creature on the, the fight previews, kind of beginning of the pandemic, right around that. You guys started coming on, and you've been on a bunch since then. So uh, really, you've always appreciated your time, and yeah, to make the way in here today on a on a long weekend, holiday Monday, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm always uh, down to talk sports, drink beer, <laughs> trash people, complain, and uh, <laughs> have a lot of fun. And 
you know, I wish the Red Sox had a little bit more competitiveness during that series. I could chirp back, but I don't have any chirps right now. So <laughs> either way, Matt, I uh, always appreciate you having me on the show, dude. Uh, he is on Twitter and Instagram at SteveBund91. And uh, we'll make sure that that is in the uh, in the show notes. I also want to mention that uh, we've thrown a couple playlists up on Spotify and Apple Music. You just search Tall Can Audio 1000. It's a bunch of songs and bands, whatever we've referenced over the course of a thousand episodes of the podcast. Uh, if you want to check that out, we're just kind of using it to to build the episode 1000. Like I said, that will drop on Monday, August 8th. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. Give us a follow there. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, for Steve Bunda, my name is Matt Robinson, and we will wind down the podcast here. We will see you later in the week to talk Blue Jays trade deadline on Wednesday afternoon. What the hell is that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy? Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app and find us on social media at Tall Can Audio. 